Welcome to Dogs of Warcry. Dogs of Warcry is a podcast from the Mortal Realms focusing on Warcry, a fast-paced cinematic skirmish game by Games Workshop. You can expect discussions on gameplay, rules, lore, painting, terrain, campaigns, and events. Welcome to Dogs of Warcry. In episode 5 of season 6, we will discuss our Adepticon 2023 event, Under the Bows of the Gnarlwood, as well as the bonus multiplayer event which followed. In this special podcast, we have also have three of the local community players who were able to participate and will get their thoughts and opinions. Along the way, we'll talk about our hobby progress and games that we've had. My name is Josh, and answering the call with me this week are... Your con dog, Eric! Vince! Who also was there? This is Mike, an uh, official member of the Dogs of Warcry fan club, the Flies of Warcry, following them everywhere. This is Joe, who came to carry all of Mike's stuff. Oh, and it's Pavin, I'm back! The hey! <laughs> Woo! Nice. We got a big crew tonight! We got a, <laughs> we got a really big crew tonight. We've got, uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, you got your uh, the the four of us that have been hosts of the show, and then joining us uh, are Mike and Joe from our local league. Uh, but I think, I mean, definitely cherry on top is Pavin's back to record for us uh, with us uh, for the first time in a long time. Oh, Glad yeah. to have you all here. Hey, let's, uh, great. Paven, now you wondered if if you were alive, Paven. So I'm glad they can they can hear you and not pretend like we're making up your voice. And so that's good. That's good. Hell yeah, man! I'm back for a good time, uh, but maybe not a long time. (laughs) Uh, That's fair. Tonight only. Um, Well, thanks you guys for being here. We're going to jump. We got a. a, I think it's going to be a pretty fun episode talking about Adepticon uh, that we that ended a couple weeks ago. Uh, but why don't we jump into our regularly scheduled uh, hobby discussion, The Forge of Mithraxis. Josh, why don't you kick us off? What have you been working on? Uh, sure. No, I, I uh, to be honest, I haven't worked on a ton after the event because it was just kind of like, ah. But, but I did pick up uh, the Elder Scrolls uh, Call to Arms miniature game there. did a demo, thought it was a lot of fun. And both my daughter and my stepson have played uh, Skyrim. So I ended up getting some miniatures and some STL files to print off some terrain. Haven't had a chance to try it out with them yet, but I'm looking forward to that. Um, also, you know, we'll kind of get into some of our league games uh, that we had this past week. But uh, as part of the weekend, uh, I did end up converting another Luminate for my Cypher Lords. So that uh, was on the task for the weekend and he's ready to go for this next week. Nice. Vint, what have you been up to? Have you been working on anything? Uh, yeah, actually, it, it's it's been I, I got right off the uh, the hobby plow as soon as I got my beast of chaos done. Some of you were there for that as they were still drying maybe Saturday uh, on the table as they should be. Right. <laughs> Nothing quite like living paint on the model. Um, <laughs> but uh, I've been painting on some 40K stuff, uh, but I've also been working on a lot of the chaos chosen. Uh, and those are all done. And man, those new kits are absolute fire. I love them. Nice. They're so cool. Uh, I don't know how they play yet because I, I unfortunately missed on a, some of those opportunities to play them. But that's what I've been working on. And they're looking good. Nice. 
Paven, what's been on your hobby table? Uh, I've been kind of bouncing around, but most recently uh, I finished uh, Mega Box, uh, Mega Boss for Adepticon. I forget what what his name ended up being, but something like Drag Dog Mountain Kicker. Uh, <laughs> so he he had a, good, a lot of good fun. He was the the new Mega Boss that you got with your Warhammer Plus subscription. So I've been waiting to paint that guy for a little bit, and he turned out pretty good. Pretty happy. Um, I painted some War Machine, which I don't know if I'm allowed to talk on a GW branded podcast. Oh, but, I think uh, you're, you're muted, it. Paven. You're, I can't hear you at all. <laughs> oh no, I'm dropping. I'm dropping. Um, and then otherwise, uh, I picked up some Wildwoods, and I've uh, always wanted those kind of uh, just regular trees, and added those to my collection, as well as uh, I have a few members of the Gnarl Spirit Pack, which is uh, Warhammer Underworld War Band. Yeah, I'm yeah, they're cool. So I've been really bouncing around. Nice. Awesome. Nice. Joe, what you been up to? I have decided to take the plunge and do the Path to Glory campaign that someone decided to start up at one of the local stores. So I decided to go with uh, Osiark, Bone Reapers, for that Path to Glory. Uh, I did complete a test model for the Warband, or not Warband, for the Army uh, this past Saturday. And I'm hoping that uh, that the proof of concept actually turns out. We'll see. I have to work on that yet. Are you thinking about building a warband for these guys in addition to the Path to Glory? I will actually be doing them in not this league season. I'm doing Iron Gongs this league, this league season. Next season, I will be doing them, yes. Nice. Sweet. Uh, the other thing that I did real quick is uh, I have a surprise. I got one game in, uh, and I have a surprise for for the person that I play next. Uh, <laughs> ominous like pie, pie in the face uh his name might be mike <laughs> yikes i'm looking forward to this uh, <laughs> yeah well i mean that's a pretty good segue mike uh a what's been on your uh, uh workbench but b how are you feeling about uh joe uh ready to strike at any times yeah, I was I was told he wasn't going to be here, so uh, I might might dip out a little earlier than usual. But uh, <laughs> um, no, I've been uh, I've been working um, Adepticon. I spent a ton of time converting a whole bunch of models. I made my uh, Molog's March Madness Monstars with the the basketball hoops, the Space Jam themed warband, which is a ton of fun, but also pretty exhausting. And uh, spent all night uh, the night before finishing those. Um, and then for our current league, I'm playing the Closet Karanek. Uh, super fun models to, to build together. Um, I got them all primed up now, uh, and I've been taking my dog on walks now that it's been nice and collecting uh, random sticks and twigs and fun stuff like that so I can do kind of forest basing um, for nice. those guys. And then uh, also working on finally finishing my uh, the, the three Korgoreth uh, list that I kitbashed the whole bunch of for uh, for the tournament that we all went up to. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, in Minnesota. Uh, finally doing all the green stuff on those so that it's not just a bunch of raw uh, plastic with a bunch of weird kind of holes in it, things like that. So got the green stuff, I think, mostly done. I got to glue a whole bunch more skinks onto the, to the skink one because I don't think that'll ever be done, but... Um, at least get it close to <laughs> looking finished, but uh, yeah, trying to turn get into a titan, for, you know, <laughs> it's just I mean, as, as many skinks as I can find in the wild. I'll just keep chopping them up and sticking them on there, even after it's painted. Just yeah, whatever it kills, just add it to the mass. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, trying to get those ones done um, for a couple of weeks. We got we got some games coming up that I want to have that ready for. So been I, I need deadlines. I've discovered I need to <laughs> have a, a, a strict uh, end time where it has to be done by because i've done a lot better when those have appeared nice 
Nice. Well, awesome. It was great seeing uh, you paint an army uh, warband. It was fantastic. Uh, it didn't feel great. It was. It felt wrong <laughs> putting him out there. Like, There's something. This, this is wrong. Something's going on here. I don't like it. Up, up is down. Left is right. <laughs> yeah. I was uh, just gagging. Ooh, ooh, I can't. You know, gotta keep my my food down. <laughs> looking at him. Nice. Um, I'll I'll add a little mini circle of paint. I have made progress on. Uh, kind of painting the hole or the main uh, armor on my uh, cog ribness. So, you know, the, the rut is over. Um, and then um, the next thing I've started working on, um, I want to do a war band that is um, the, the weird lights that have been kind of in some of the lore um, specifically in the, I think in the um, predator or prey and, or stealth and stone or yeah, oh, it was in stealth yeah. and stone. There's some weird mm-hmm. lights when the, um, mm-hmm. anyway, so I want to do it with actual light. So I've been, I found a place to buy some LEDs and some really small batteries and, uh, you know, we may be working with some fiber optics and some stuff like that. So the problem wow. is that most of the batteries are bigger than the battery I have is smaller than a 32 mil, but it's bigger than a 25 mil. So I've got to, I got to figure something out, uh, to make it work, but I'd love to have, uh, each one of these and I'm going to be using, I think, um, Demons of Zinch, uh, you know, make it a very pink horror or a horror heavy list, pinks and blues and, and brimstones, so that it, you get that kind of view. You you know, if you slash a sword through a, a bunch of fireflies and they split up into two groups of fireflies, that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So I've started down that road. I've got my first kind of things to test with. But that's. Do you slash, do you slash a lot of fireflies with swords? I do. I do. Um, where, I mean, in my fantasy world, I do. <laughs> I mean, otherwise, uh, you, you could also do LEDs and like crystals and other stuff that and use them on bases around to kind of supplement. Yeah, yeah. So I've got some ideas for it, and I think uh, it's yeah. I think it, I want to go for something super moody and so, something super cool on the table. I want it to be annoying as hell. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> or just me and going yeah, 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 yeah. make some weird noise every time they split. You know that sort of thing. <laughs> um but yes so it's good to hear that after i mean uh getting ready for a big event like adepticon can be uh tough a lot of hobbies going on in the lead up um and uh to come back sometimes you're energized sometimes you need a little bit of a break good to hear you guys all have something new on the table uh by now why don't we jump over to path to glory event uh, what warbands and quests have you guys played this week? Um, we I know we kicked off our league, and I think everybody pretty much got games in. I I had some unexpected games I got in, which was kind of nice. cool. Um, Josh, let's start with you. Sure. No, I got to bring the Envoys of Madness back out of retirement, so that was fun. It's been uh, ages since I played my Cypher Lords, and uh, getting to see how they work in this new season with the new edition of Warcry was a lot of fun. Had uh, had two games. First one ended up uh, with a with a minor loss, just just enough. Zach eked it out, but I made him pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> the second game was a lot of fun too. It was a tie with Mike, uh, a blast. We just kind of pummeled each other for quite a while, but uh, but I, I showed him, you know, the t- tips and tricks. You know, now they know my tricks, so we'll see how the next games go. Nice, Eric. How about you? Yeah, so I got. Um, one game of the new Ascurgans in and played against um, Spire Tyrants, and they did not like that Spire Tyrant reaction very well. That that seemed to get them. Um, they Ascurgans don't roll a ton of dice, uh, and so the uh, Spire Tyrants have a reaction that if you don't get a crit, 
then you take four damage. And so they were whittled down. We ended the game, I think, in a tie anyway. So I was they, their their fast movement uh, was really helpful for them. And then uh, starting our league, I played uh, two games with the Untamed Beasts, and I played uh, one game against um, the Spire oh, yeah. Tyrants. I can't wait. I can't What's wait. that? I can't wait. Oh yeah, because so. Yes, yeah, so I played with the Untamed Beast, the 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 dogs of Warcry, um, yes. with the Shudna at the at the helm. Uh, played two games mm-hmm. once, one against uh, those same Spire Tyrants, and uh, then a second game against the Hunters of Huanshi. And it was the the game against the Hunters was very much a kind of have to hunt them down and uh, and take out one of their. We were playing 1.0 uh, missions and that sort of stuff, so I had to take out his dagger. Uh, both games uh, had some really close, you know, like kind of movement shenanigans, trying to figure out how to end it. Uh, I did manage both games to get um, max glory. Uh, so the the dogs of war cry are coming out hot. That being said, it's our it's our first uh, first week. Um, as soon as everybody gets their you know cool uh, artifacts and uh, tricks, heroic and abilities or whatnot, and- it'll be another story, I'm sure. But Yep, yep. Really nice having them back out. And yes, Josh, um, I will have to beat your envoys soon. Beat. Play, yeah. perhaps. <laughs> oh. <laughs> for old time's sake. So for me, I got a couple games this Thursday over at Planet Chaos. Uh, that's not too far from us here in Fort Atkinson. Yes. It was super fun to go there. It was, uh, it was a very cool Adepticon. And man, was I glad I got to go. But um, it was a very busy Adepticon for me where I was doing a lot of events and meeting up and doing a lot of things. There's never enough time in the day to say hi to everybody and get enough time with everybody. Uh, So a lot of the people I I unfortunately missed uh, all kind of got together and showed up at Planet Chaos. And I don't know if it was by design or just as the fates allowed. And uh, man, what a great time that was. It was some of the people who got me into the hobby. Uh, Joe was there. It It was just a lot of good. Uh, and it was just that that spark I needed to be like, okay, I've been working on a bunch of everything for a long time, and it just really wanted to to start that fire again um, and get that ball rolling. And uh, you know, it felt like, okay, you know, now what's next and all those steps. But I got to go in and play two really old friends in Warcry, and they're just learning it. And we played some um, catacombs which was nice. And everybody, everybody on the call or everybody on the, uh, the podcast knows that's, that is my favorite way. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, nobody got thrown in the lava, <laughs> which was sad. Um, but I, every, we played kill matches and, uh, they went, they went pretty hard. So it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I lost one and won one. And, uh, the, the person who beat me was like, wow, I didn't think I had a chance. I was like, yeah, that was, that's great. And the other guy was like, I'm going to get you. And he lost. So it was, it was super fun. Uh, and man, it was just really good to see those guys that were out there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's good to keep in mind that, you know, there are many different ways to play Warhammer, no matter what it is. Uh, but we are still one giant community. So like you see somebody out that's playing 40 K and you're a Warcry player, like say hi, like we all play the, we all push little plastic soldiers around and, uh, we're all part of the same community. So be nice. Uh, everybody's there to have fun. All right, there's my soapbox for a minute. Sorry. <laughs> Joe, how about you? What games did you get to play? Well, I actually did join you for a game. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I actually decided to um, the do my league season this time with my Iron Golems, uh, which I've been waiting for a long time to actually get on the table. Uh, Josh's son, Ben, painted them for me. Um, and <clears throat> and uh, they actually did really well. Unfortunately, the person that I played against probably had the absolute worst dice I have seen in, in the entire year I've been playing. So 
it was a it was a very one-sided affair unfortunately uh, but uh, I do actually get to play a game tomorrow I'm, I'm meeting up against uh, Mike and uh, given how Mike and I tend to talk a lot during the course of a game I'm sure it's gonna run about three and a half hours <laughs> But it'll be fun. It'll always be fun. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be an awesome three and a half hours. Exactly. exactly. Right. All right. And uh, Joe, that, that sounds good. Uh, speaking of people you're playing tomorrow, uh, Mike, how, how are things going this week? Yeah, I don't. I didn't realize that that was Joe that I was set up to play. It was uh, um, some guy in the Discord was spouting off saying that he wanted to, <laughs> to get a game. And I was like, cool, I'll, you know, I'll just go smoke some guy real quick. But no, no, that'll be fun, Joe. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> He's got something <laughs> special for you, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm really, really excited to hear that part. I'll bring something special for him, but it'll be a, a kind treat and hope that he goes easy on me. Um, because <laughs> similar to Joe, I think uh, there's something going around the Madison area, some sort of illness with dice. I don't know if they're sick or what, but uh, I, I played a game uh, two weeks ago with um, with Zach and uh, neither of us could roll anything. Uh, at one point, I think I, I needed to roll uh, one hit hitting on threes and missed with six dice, um, which was li- a little absurd. It was, a, But he also had similarly awful luck in that game it was highly entertaining to see just how much you can miss in a game it might have been a record um but uh since since that one when we started on the last week uh josh very was very kind in his assessment of our game uh, i i perceived that it was a lot more of uh the cypher lords uh wiped the floor with the closet karenak there was bits of uh fur littered around the board after that game was done, I think I had one model left uh, on on the board, and uh, I learned a lot about playing a little squishier warbands. <laughs> don't charge them in, and, uh, and also just don't play Josh. That's a great strategy if you want to have a shot at winning. I think. Oh no, I didn't. I, you know, we tied, right? No, I no you. I didn't get. I had to get three treasures off the map, and they were strewn about the oh, that board. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I, I did win that one. I guess. <laughs> just, I, I appreciate you downplaying it. I'll never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the blackouts. Uh, you got to watch those, Josh. It was fun to to see him though. See him in action. I never seen Cypherlords on the table, and uh, yeah, they're they're neat. And obviously, Josh is a great painter and fun player to, to be against. So it was a it was a good time. Very cool. Uh, real quick, just uh, because we're going to be talking about Adepticon from our narrative event, uh, a few of us were able to play in. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll cut everything I just said out. <laughs> yeah. What about, about me? Right along. <laughs> I was, I was in my head. I was thinking about how do we transition to the next thing? Can we get this thing in there? I apologize. Well, wait a minute. All right. All right. Uh, so can I can I go now? Hey, Paven, would you like to tell us what games you've been playing lately? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that built up. Well, that built up. <laughs> it's fair. So, so what I'm hearing, Paven, is you want to meet and play soon? Yes, I'm in. I heard Joe got oh, yeah, his next guy. To. I think I gotta get this. Uh, I gotta, I gotta get this uh, a little guy in a good sleep schedule, and then I can think I'll be. I can reliably. Come nice. Out, which I'm very excited for chloroform. Cool. <laughs> it's the trick. <laughs> so, no, not recommended for like children. A baby. <laughs> well, they have they have kids chloroform. I'm pretty well, sure. Well, it's all based on body mass, but so yes, it's feasible, but Perfect. not recommended. <laughs> Certain communities encouraged. <laughs> <laughs> well, with, 
All right. With that, maybe we'll move into the visions of madness. <laughs> Since we're talking about crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Before, you know, there's not a lot of like uh, um, war crime related news out there. We have a little bit. But first, we're going to start with some general announcements because there's several events coming up in the general Midwest area that we would like to share. Uh, the first one we have at Valhalla War Cry Tournament here in Verona, Wisconsin, April 22nd at 11 a.m., $10 to sign up. Uh, you can go to Best Coast Pairings and sign up there. Our next event is run by the very own Dan from Salt Sea in Roseville, Mich- uh, Minnesota, rather. Uh, May 6th, $10, also on Best Coast Pairings to sign up. And the third event that we would like to share is a War Cry narrative event in Glensboro Brewery. May 20th, 10 a.m. to start, $25, and you can e- contact rydnicol at gmail.com to sign up. So lots of great stuff going on everywhere, really, but those are the ones that are kind of in our generic Midwest area that we wanted to share and make available to you to sign up and get some games in. Now, in terms of Warcry-specific news, uh, the main thing we've got to share is that the most recent White Dwarf, White Dwarf 486, does have Warcry cards for Grisel's Aranai, the latest um, Daughters of Cain warband in Underworlds. So again, we have got some more Bladeborn fighters in their rules. It's got the cards, their ability cards, and um, just, you know, typical for all the other Bladeborn fighters. It doesn't have any really background or anything else beyond that. But it could be a lot of fun to add to your mix of... Daughters of Cain or Shadow Stalkers or whatever else you want to play. A lot of fun. Uh, and the cards are all available when, for, well, I guess not really free in the war, in the, in the the White Dwarf, but as an addition with a lot of uh, kind of background and information about the Warband. Do we think we're going to get a Warcry or a, a White Dwarf with all of like the missing uh, Underworld's Bladeborne stuff that like Hexbane's the whole you know, Hunters and stuff? I am seriously surprised we have heard nothing. Yeah about any of it right now you know no 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 peeps nothing mentioned in the white dwarfs you know i'm really surprised that we've heard nothing about them and i'm not sure why i'm guessing maybe a compendium i'm hoping it's the the whole nether maze so uh the the rats the canine shadow stalkers the corn warband and then um and the one that you said the witch hunters (laughs) yep hex pain and they, they just announced mm-hmm. today for the pre-order the next White Dwarf. Uh, they didn't have anything on the cover or anything in the blurb about Warcry on that one yet, but usually they're pretty good about putting something in, but it, usually they they also advertise when there's uh, cards coming for it, so probably not in the next one either. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm guessing it's coming yeah. in, you know, later for some whatever reason. And I, I can't, you know, unless it's, it shouldn't be balancing issues because they've got, you know, Kinehead Shadowstalkers, they should be able to balance that pretty well. So, you know, I'm not sure why they just, that's in the void. <laughs> it doesn't make much sense, but. Yeah. I mean, it, it probably just takes up space and it's not the stuff that's current. You know, right yeah. now, those uh, Grizzels are part of the Underworlds mm-hmm. release. So now they go, whereas the Nether Maze was sort of in the void of, you know. The, yeah, it the might pandemic, be harder to right? get those models now. So they want to advertise newer models that you can get a hold of. Right. If we get everything from the White Dwarfs into a single book down the road, um, hopefully they'll appear there. And any other kind of news or leaks or speculations on the fourth box here in the Gnarlwood? 
I don't think there's any. Well, you know, we had some leaks prior to Adepticon, but it's really unclear what they actually are. So I, I'd rather not discuss them a whole lot, I guess. But uh, but yeah, no, I think we're all waiting to find out. Okay, well, what's really in this next box? Will they actually have a Slanish or band? Will it? You know, who will it be against? Is it Cruel Boys? Is it Stormcast? What is it? What do you guys think? Uh, I think it's it's going to uh, be Slanesh and uh, Thunderstrike Stormcast. I'm on board with the Thunderstrike Stormcast. Uh, I'm not sure about the Slanesh part, though. That was definitely the, the projection from kind of what, what we'd seen from the, the past ones. I spent a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the day that those, those leaks came out uh, was very disruptive to my productivity. <laughs> uh, I spent a lot of time. It was uh, uh, talking to Warren from the Dayton War Cry Club at Adepticon, and he uh, called it the Enhanced Crew, uh, just always looking into the details when these pictures oh, come yeah. out and stuff. And I was fully two feet into that crew. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I mm-hmm. said, look, look deep into that, but I would, I'd be down with some Slanesh. And uh, I don't want any more Stormcast because Joe does really well with them. That'd be great if they could keep good toys out of his hands. <laughs> I mean, he, to be fair, he does get with it's, with it's, chaos. It's, 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 yeah, that's point with corn. Yeah, yeah, iron columns. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you know, to to that aspect, you know, that I would love to see there another Slanish Warband for Warcry dedicated. I could totally see them withholding that until Slanish gets free, and then like going, "Oh yeah, now it's time for a Slanish Warband." So I'm kind of curious now because it's we're getting kind of mixed signals depending on what's out there, what's not. What do you think about a flesh eater quartz uh, yeah. warband as being the other half? Yeah, that would be awesome. Wait, so I just googled the leaks. I'm not really up, <laughs> up on it. This whole thing is leaks. <laughs> <laughs> I know we don't know if but it's I'm the next expansion right or a separate are we, box. Are we? Are we, are we are, no, well, we we're not. No, no, no. It's just now? we don't know if this is a separate expansion or if it, that might be the next release because it's not titled the same. Because there were some pictures of stuff from uh, with some Underworld stuff uh, that was like a couple of Underworlds warbands in a box with do, do you guys some terrain to, or something like to that. To weigh so, in on all of the, the experience I had from my. Yeah, let's hear what the leaks are. And what? Let, yeah, one second. Mike, yeah. <laughs> enhance. So check it out. Um, essentially, what, what happened was there was a guy that posted, uh, I think he posted on the Discord first, the, the big Warcry Discord, or it was on Reddit. Uh, he'd received um, some stuff from the warehouse, and it had a packet in it for, um, I can't remember the name of it now, but it was the, the Underworlds with Xandar's Truth Seekers and uh, the Crimson Court. Um, coming in its its own box, and then had uh, a cool new sprue of terrain that we've never seen. Crimson Court cool. or Flesh Eater Court? I thought it was Crim- Crimson Court. Court. It was the Crimson. Okay. So the, the vampires from Crimson Court. Um, and so yeah, it had this cool looking sprue that was in there. And then uh, in in that book, it was I believe it was in Portuguese because I spent a lot of time on Google Translate and messing with different languages to see what it translated best into. Um, and in the book, um, there was a picture of kind of the, the typical books that we get uh, with each of the boxes with, you know, something and something uh, with the two warbands pictured on the front of it. Uh, one of them was a Stormcast warband where the leader had a skull uh, for a head, which was, I guess we all technically do, but it was an exposed skull for a head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the outside. Um, and then the other one was a, it was a Flesh Eater Quartz uh, warband. And then so further in 
Um, they had so that and that was kind of like this little picture um, that and the, the translations basically was alluding to the fact that now that you've got some cool models for Warcry, you should go out and check out this, you know, this set with this stuff in it. Um, and then uh, further pages had more pictures, uh, kind of like when they do the, the really awesome scene, um, like staged photographs and stuff like that. Uh, and they had pictures of these, you know, these Stormcast models that we hadn't seen before with these Flesh Eater Quartz models that we also hadn't seen before um, that were the same things that were on the cover of the, uh, uh, or <laughs> in the picture of the cover uh, from the leak. I think that's the order of operations there. So yeah, it, it looks, and then there's also um, <laughs> a... Uh, Realm Shaper engine that had the bamboo on it. So basically the sta mm -hmm. standard Realm mm -hmm. Shaper with bamboo uh, kind of bump outs on two of the sides to link your bridges to. Um, and then a cool top of it that wasn't the standard Realm Shaper. It had kind of like this crystal thing coming out the top of it. So um, it, it kind of, my my uh, my enhanced abilities or my enhancing abilities kind of landed on, I think there's two products. One of them is this, I think it's Court of Blood, something. I, I can't remember the name of the yeah. Yeah. the. Crimson yes. Court is the actual band name in Underworlds. The crypt, yeah. No, but the Crypt, crypt of Blood was Blood. the name of kind of this, like the pamphlet that the guy got oh, that he oh. probably shouldn't have that had the Crimson Court and the and Xandar's Truth Seekers in there. Um, see, and that so that looks to be a separate product that was alluding to the fact that, hey, there's this other box that would be really awesome to, to go with this stuff with your order and your death, um, you know, compatriots mm -hmm. that you could get from that box. Yeah, yeah. It certainly feels like it's a supplement or something, or maybe something to kick off the next season yeah. of Warcry. It, it looked kind of like a starter box because it yeah. had like a paper yeah. mat, uh, one sprue of scattered terrain in it. Um, yeah. yeah, and then just mm -hmm. basically 600 points. Of or like a Barnes and Noble or, or Walmart, um, you know, kind of box set like they do with some of the Underworld stuff where they put out a smaller box mm -hmm. and put it through box stores. Yep, yep, yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, like Bladeborne. Blade They're mm -hmm. just doing Bladeborne again. But with no yeah, hexes, yeah. it doesn't have the, the strict tie to the um, the hex board that the Bladeborn had. Yeah, it looks like they're making they're, mm -hmm. lean, yeah. they're making it lean yeah. more into Warcry than to what the heck? <laughs> no hexes here. <laughs> <laughs> All your hexes belong to us. So, and and do we have a, a feeling a gut check on when we'll see this fourth box? This oh, last well, we box got the last season. box. What end of Feb? End of February, early right. March, end of Feb, right? Yep. So it should be should be what May. Um, mm -hmm. No, I think it's beginning of February because we were. Well, we got a like tease. We didn't right actually get the box event. beginning of February, though. No, yeah, I think because we were we had our event in January and it came pretty close out, or that when we went up to Minnesota in January and then it was came in pretty close after that, like two weeks. Mm. No, we, so didn't, was, we didn't actually get box in early to mid February. February, I think we saw so, teases for it. A quick search, it looks like the reviews came out February 11th, which would mean it came out in person Feb 18th, normally. Yeah, yeah. Does that sound there ish, there. right? Yep, yep. That sounds about right. So I'm guessing, yeah, mid-May-ish. We hopefully we get some more information soon, by the end of this month, right? Well, Warhammer, uh, Warhammer World was having an event, or did, did that pass? No, it's coming up still. Okay, well, maybe we'll see some reveals or something like that. So... We think April or I'm May. We'll see some like teases by the end of April, but it'll come out in mid-May or late May, I'm guessing. All right. I mean, I think that's all we can do here for, uh, yeah. for the Visions of Madness, unless somebody's got a vision yeah. of something else that's madness. It's all crazy. All right. 
Why don't we jump into our victory condition then, our main topic. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Under the Bows of the Narwood Narrative Warcry event at Adepticon. And we're going to be, we have, we have Pavend and Mike and Joe here who attended uh, that event. So we're going to get some of their perspectives. Uh, we'll be also talk about our bonus multiplayer event, the Great Gnarl Oak, and share what it was like. Uh, what it was about, get the impressions of uh, from those who played it as well, and uh, mm-hmm. see what people mm-hmm. thought. Uh, so we're going to just kind of have a pretty open conversation. We're going to start off just with some some numbers. So we're going to start off with, uh, Josh, what was the size and shape of the event uh, at Adepticon? So our, our main narrative event, Under the Bows, the Narwood, we had uh, 40 slots, and we were fortunate enough that they were booked with a waiting list. And on the day of the event, uh, as is within the event, we had some people who did not show up and we had other people who did. So we, fortunately, between the the people who signed up and the waiting list, we still ended up with 40 total people to play in the event, which was awesome. Um, so we ended up with 20 yeah. boards full of terrain. Um, most of the terrain that Adepticon provides is all season one, you know, the basic first box terrain, but... We ourselves and and members of our community all donated trees, so we could at least put one tree on each table to make it feel like it's a little bit in the Narwood. And you know, we kind of you know we kind of get into more depth later. But as a, an overview, we had three branching quests again because people really enjoyed the branching quests from the previous format. But this time, we kind of moved away from a Grand Alliance format and went with three motivational paths: knowledge, strength, and wealth. Uh, we also had taken some feedback from the previous year and um, moved up the awards so that people got their heroic trait prior to the second game and got their legendary artifact prior to the third game. So they had a little bit more time to to enjoy those uh, aspects while they were playing their games. <laughs> one thing, and, uh, and one other thing we'd kind of decided to add was in, uh, you know, you could maybe say it was a campaign arc or whatever, over the top of the branching quests, we added this um a superficial narrative aspect where the choices you made kind of influenced some of the twists that were occurring in the later games and eventually the the bonus game yeah so having 40 people um previous year uh what was the attendance for uh 2022 we had 21 actually play yeah, so we had more people showed up, but or signed up, but not as many uh, showed up, uh, which is typical. Um, but we boost up to forty. Um, I mean, just kind of a question uh, for Josh and Vint in particular: um, How did it feel running an event for forty people? Did it did it feel like it got bigger, more clogged, harder to manage, anything like that? What was what was that feeling with that increase? Uh, for me, I thought it w- it felt really smooth. Uh, you know, adding you, Eric, has made it really easy to be able to split up. You know, judge calls. Also, running a narrative event is very different from running competitive events, and I've done a couple of those. Uh, and you just generally have less judge. Uh, you know, in the uh, in the air. That being said, we all were busy, right? Like there was very little standing around, yeah. and we would like meet up towards the end of the match when there's just less people playing. And kind of catch up, but it was it was real fun. It was real fast. Um, running a forty person event kind of feels the same as running a twenty person event. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of feels the same as a thirty person event. And next year, you know, hopefully we can get more room so we can do an even bigger event and get more of you folks out there. But I really think the uh, the the ease of it was just in 
having experienced TOs, you know, all of us had run an event that were there. Uh, all of us have helped run Warcry events specifically. Heaven knows we have more than a couple reps uh, of the game, so we have a pretty good handle on the rules. And we had a lot of allies uh, like Mike and Joe and Paven in the stands, you know, also playing the events, making sure that the rules were being followed and helped. So the the things that, you know, a tournament organizer is supposed to do is make sure everybody's having fun. We had Eric on as an MC, and that worked really well. Um, and last year that was me and that worked really well. Like just, just kind of playing it by ear and having some fun. Um, and that, I don't know, it felt really awesome to run the 40 person event. It didn't feel like it was stressful at all. Yeah, no, I thought it went really well. And, um, you know, I think, what was it? I had, uh, I think the only thing was that, you know, last year Vint had to play as the, as the, uh, you know, the, cause we had an odd number of players. Vint was playing each game, although everybody loved playing with him. Not a problem. He, he smashed them all, <laughs> so did, but they, yeah. still loved, they still loved him. So it, it was kind of nice this year where we had an even number of players so that we, the three of us could still focus on the event, answering questions, everything else, and everybody got to play, so, which is great. you know. But I, I think either way it would have worked out. But. Absolutely. It's important that Josh says it because he was our ringer this year. So if one of you hadn't shown up, Josh would have gotten to play. But <laughs> since you didn't, Josh was happy to help run the event. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. No. And, and I will say, um, I mean, we were working on some stuff up to the deadline and that sort of thing, which everyone, every event you do, um, is like that. But, uh, on the day of from, you know, having, you know, the exact number of people no show as, uh, from the wait list did show to get to that perfect number to kind of, we had a couple of different things we did instead of printing, a bunch of stuff off. We had things for people to take pictures with their phones for their branching quests, um, moving people from there to their, to their games. It was the smoothest day that I, I was not going to, I was not expecting it to be as smooth as it was. And I think that was a, a little bit of you guys' experience, you know, knowing what to go into it. And then just the, how everybody chose to kind of show up mm-hmm. and go with the flow and uh, be eager to, kind of work with us on on moving moving through definitely good group players i'm going to put it back to uh the reason we have our guests uh here with us joe uh mike and pavend what was that playing with 40 people playing Warcry in one space what was that like for you guys i'll start with pavend just because i know you came up to me a couple of times and, and had some thoughts on it what what did it feel like playing with 40 people well it wasn't all at once you didn't play all 40 at once no, I just wanted okay. time. I it was a really great event. I really enjoyed it. I enjoy all of y'all's events. Yeah, it was a really great um like vibe. Like everybody I played and talked to or overheard at the next table seemed to be like really committed to having a good time and also making sure their opponent had a good time. So there was a lot of like, oh no, let's read this rule in your favor. Like, oh no, 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 no. I think we should read it this way. Um, just to try to make sure it was like everybody, I don't know, nobody had any bad feelings at any point. And so that was a really cool uh, thing to witness and not something I'd witnessed at any other kind of Warhammer thing I participated in. So it was, it was really fun. I had a great time. Uh, and it was uh, it was kind of a scrum, like getting to games or like moving in the crowd. Uh, but I was always, yeah, it was, it was like, you know, anybody who you got to play with was like going to be a good opponent, it seemed like. Yeah, to that just bouncing off that uh vin why don't you quick talk about how we chose kind of who plays who we didn't use best coast pairing so what was our 
What was our backup? Um, so our backup, and we did this last year too, was who won your first game? You know, just pick pick a friend, somebody you haven't played, or somebody you haven't played in, like haven't played in a long time and won a grudge. Like, uh, you know, some people have friends from Minneapolis and they live in Ohio, but they can meet in Adepticon and they want to play a game together. Far be it from us to tell them no. So you just find a friend or find a table and you sit down and somebody eventually finds you as their friend or finds you at the table and then you play your first game. Uh, after that first game, we give them the question, who won your first game? Find somebody raising their hand and go play them. Uh, those of you who aren't raising your hand, you're still awesome. Find somebody else not raising their hand and go play a game somewhere too. Uh, and then in between, they're coming up and they're making decisions based on their narrative, which are all written like you didn't win or lose, uh, but you're still alive, like you're still kicking. So keep going forward in your in your quest line. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you get to the third one. Who won your first two games? You guys all play each other. Or you can find another grudge. Like, hey, uh, you know, if, if Eric hadn't played Paven this whole time and Eric was in the event, he could go hunt down Paven and be like, I've wanted to kill you all weekend. And now they can go <laughs> do it, right? So it was, it was nice. And we had a lot of fun pairings. Um, and everybody was having a good time. Even the people that were newer and needed help, like the people who are more seasoned were there helping, which was neat too. But that's how yeah. we do our pairings. Uh, it's yeah, it's for, pretty easy, pretty laid back. For people who are more extroverted and or know somebody, it makes it easy to go up to somebody and say, hey, you want to get a game? For those who might be more introverted, you can go set up at a table uh, that you like the terrain or something like that. And eventually somebody will come and play you so you don't have to, if you don't want to, go up to somebody that's cool okay. too uh-huh. um then i'm gonna move over to mike mike how did that uh playing in that big event you've played in a couple of uh events now uh and then adepticon what was that like uh playing it with 40 people yeah it was super cool um played in uh the, the minnesota tournament had a pretty good turnout um but just seeing that many people that were all there basically for the love of the game you know there's no real stakes to it it's just hey we're all just here to chuck some dice have a blast and tell some cool stories meet some cool people um, especially coming off of like the um, the competitive event the day before um, that was where you're really you know you're you're honed in I guess when I play I, I play pretty honed in um, if I'm at a competitive event and I want to you know make sure I'm doing my best plays um, and then to, to to be able to just kind of have that release the next day where um, you know I, I was overthinking every single move before and then the first game that I played I uh, had garbage dice had you know a, a model fall three times out of three opportunities um, and loved it just completely embraced. <laughs> <laughs> and just having people that want to lean into that side of it was just really, really fun. And um, yeah, just can't can't speak any more highly of the quality of people that, that showed up and just got to play with and were just around. They were so, so much fun to be around. Nice. Joe, how was it for you? It was amazing. Um, I think one of the things for me that um, really kind of set the stage for it was one of the special moments actually happened before we even started playing. And we were trying to fill out uh, the people that, for the people that weren't able to make it, a lot of us had met um, Thomas from Canada. He had driven down uh, rather than fly. He drove down from Canada and he came and stood uh, because he was 10th on the waiting list and it made it down to him. And when you guys called out his name that he was into the game. I think half of the field cheered because everybody had met him. Everybody had really, you know, kind of um, had a good time with him the, the the previous couple of days. So I think that really kind of set the mood for the rest of the tournament for me. Just 
Um, mm-hmm. how everyone was just yeah. so excited to be there and so excited to get Thomas actually in playing. Hmm. Um, and, and I think it just kind of, it just, we just kind of rode that all the way through the day. Completely. Yeah. It was, it was very humbling to have people that were that excited to come play our event, uh, because of the, the positive, uh, vibes that people got from last year. Um, we had, uh, a, you know, uh, one waitlist person is first on the waitlist. So probably pretty likely they'd get in, but he had basically, you know, was on the waitlist. It was like, I'll go sign up for something else. But he was like, just say the word. I have a friend playing and they'll come get me and I'll do your event instead of this other one. Um, and so it was just very encouraging and it made for a lot of good energy going into the day by having some people that were like, I want to be in. So I'll be yes. here if there's a, there's a hole and, and uh, it was very cool being able to get everybody that was waiting uh, in. So, um, awesome. Well, um, let's, can I add something to that note? The, uh, one of the cool things that I thought was neat was the day before was run by Kevin Fleming. Uh, Kevin's a good dude, but in the hobby for a super long time. Uh, it's really neat to see the dogs of war cry guys go like with Eric there. And then Mike and Joe, you guys played in his event too. Uh, I missed it. I was running a little late. But it, it was really neat to see him come and want to participate in our event as much as we participated in his. And again, it goes back to the the thin line, right? We're all hobbyists. We're all in this together, um, be it competitive where you're playing super tight or just pushing dice around. Both games are fun and both ways are valid. Like just to make sure that you're having fun with the game is really the goal. And if you do that, everybody's a winner. Absolutely. Um, and just as a disclaimer for anybody who's wondering, we talk a lot about uh, narrative because that's uh, how we like to play. Uh, but as we've talked about here too, we, we know how to get into competitive and spend our time in competitive or tweak our brains to work in that one uh, a little bit differently. And so definitely no shade uh, from anybody here. Why don't we talk about the narrative, uh, kind of overarching narrative that we, we had in here. Um, Josh, you were sort of in charge of we kind of so we got together as a group, uh, Vint, um, Josh, and myself. We also had people from the league come in and kind of we bounced some ideas. I think uh, Mike, you, Mike, and Joe, you were both kind of at one of our kind of late nights after league to chat about it. As was Zach and Ian. I think it, uh, kind of one of those early ones. Uh, Josh, what was the overarching narrative that we decided upon? Yeah, so we we got a variety of feedback after the last season, you know, which is kind of why we moved rewards up. But, um, but, you know, some of the ideas we kind of, we, we, we bounced a lot of ideas off, as you might imagine, in any sort of brainstorming uh, event, period, you know, whether it's job related or not. Um, but one thing we kind of came down to was like, wouldn't it be cool to have a WearCry narrative event that was not based on Grand Alliances? Like, you know, forget the Grand Alliances, doesn't matter. What is your actual motivation in the Gnarlwood? And so that's where we kind of came up with these three different paths. Um, not only was it less work on us to come up with <laughs> the huge variety of paths and artifacts that that Vint and I had to do the prior before, but oh, we thought it would give warbands a lot more flexibility in choosing their own narrative. And like, okay, you're not stuck to doing a death narrative just because you're a death warband. You know, whatever. It, you know, you don't have to forget, f- follow Nagash's will. You know, why why are you really here? Is it? because you're looking for something, you know, you're seeking knowledge, or is it here to prove your strength, or maybe it's here to collect souls and wealth. So we thought that would be a much better motivation and give certain warbands a lot more flexibility instead of pinholing, pitching holing it perhaps into a specific path. 
So I think that was one of the greatest advancements we made in this particular uh, event. But, you know, maybe we'll get Paven, you know, Mike and Joe's perspectives on that and how they think that all went. But, uh, but I think that was certainly my main motivation for kind of driving that particular aspect of it. Yeah, you had done five branching quests last year, right? Five yep. branches? Correct. Before Grand Alliance and then the Dogs of War Cry. Correct. And I think uh, Dan, his um, competitive narrative event did five as well, didn't he? The four um, Grand Alliances and then uh, a couple, he had two other um, kind of unique I things. think he did six. Yeah. He had two that he made up completely. A typical branch, uh, one branch in quest over three games means that you have uh, uh, four, five, seven total kind of little segments or narrative points, right? You've got your starting point that everybody uh, starts on in one of the, so we have three knowledge, strength, and wealth. There's one for knowledge, one for strength, one for wealth. And then each one goes, one branch uh, is two, kind of one of two choices. And then from each of those are two more choices that you could make for four in that last. Um, and so that's what we meant by branch, it sort of trees out. Mm -hmm. uh, but that means that's 21 different kind of story hooks or little pieces of, of information about, well, what's happening here? How is this different, et cetera? Right. So the more, more branches you start off with, the bigger that grows, the more work that is. But what was cool about landing on knowledge, strength, and wealth from my point of view, like you said, is that if you did it on a grand alliance, then, you know, all of the death players are having the same narrative experience simply you know, like within a, a degree, but what does a death in knowledge look like or death in strength? And I know, uh, uh, Paven, you had an uh, Iron Jaws uh, force that went uh, strength because duh, but I know there was another Iron Jaws that went knowledge because, you know, reading uh, knowledge is half the is more than you, the more you know, knowledge is half the battle. Those are, mm -hmm. those are my guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, so it was really cool to, 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 to make those three quests, uh, three branches, and kind of work in that. Vint, what was feelings or thoughts on, uh, you know, I mean, you and I, you were strength. I was knowledge. The most people took our quests. Um, uh, how'd in. you feel? How'd you, <laughs> how'd you feel about how we broke it down this year compared to last year? Um, at first I was, I was a little unsure how it would go. Cause I was worried that people would be like, Oh, there's only three. Uh, I didn't hear that comment once, which was super awesome. Um, running it as a motivation, was cool. I think it was, uh, it challenged a lot of people and you could see the gears turning every time they came up to yeah, try and figure 100%. out what their story would be, you know, and, and how their, their characters would react to it. Uh, and I think that was really neat. Um, with strength, I, I thought I'd go a little, a little different and I liked my, my quest last year and, and I liked writing, uh, that's half the fun of the, the prep work for the event. So, you know, getting my stories out there was super fun. There was a lot of cuts to make sure that I could fit them on a page because I get a little carried away with my writing. But uh, it's, the stories are super fun and it's super neat. I liked uh, I liked Josh's stories a lot. I think had I played, I'd have probably went wealth. Um, the strength, I mean, the strength ones were cool and I'm glad that uh, everybody had fun with those. I think knowledge was neat. Uh, when we were, we were talking prep work, Eric's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Knowledge? Like, yeah, that's going to be the one people take. <laughs> and then, sure enough, almost half the yeah. people took knowledge, too. It was a, it was a really good knowledge spread. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I thought that was <laughs> Knowledge is power, strength overall, right? Like, it was, it, it was good. It was good. 
uh, we all really just work for Josh, and that's why Josh did wealth, <laughs> and we all know it, and it's fair. But, Could you uh, <laughs> guys, either of you, in like one or two sentences, give a quick synopsis of what your path was? I know we're going to be putting out, kind of publishing these for people to kind of take a look at um, on their own, but a uh, uh, quick hook um, for what your kind of main story or main two stories of your path were. All right. So uh, for mine, you are a warband, and you're going to... You're going through Gur, and you uh, you've heard that there's a, um, a a guide, and you go to the guide, and the guide tells you to go get uh, these mushrooms to prove that you're strong enough to make it on the quest. Um, and you are these fruits, so you go and you get the fruits, and you can either choose to eat them or not. And if you eat them, the quest you go on is very uh, visionary. And if you don't, and you bring them back. The quest is very in line with now you have a guide and now you move forward. Um, so it's it's very fun. It's it was a, very I cool. thought it was a very fun quest. Um, yeah, and it wasn't sure if the guide was someone who was going to, you know, uh, it was kind of like witch in the woods kind of feel to it. It was really cool. Uh, knowledge uh, was a little bit of finding some, some uh, fauna, uh, a big blood rock nest uh, in one of the, um, ruins and whether or not you were going to uh, just take out this uh, avian threat um, uh, for the future, uh, you know, clear the path, use what your knowledge to, to clear them, or uh, you had the opportunity to kind of uh, in, in uh, befriend them in a little way or, or make them familiar. So you could, they would help you out in, in a later, um, later time. So sort of like using, learning to either use the woods um, to survive, uh, or to kind of become one with the woods or kind of, uh, use the woods, uh, the things you learn to kind of hurt, destroy, you know, that sort of thing. So, uh, that was kind of the knowledge line. Josh, how about that? Wealth. Yeah. So for the wealth parameter, it was kind of a generic in terms of, we all seek power, you know, what's your path to it? Do you wish to gather wealth in terms of treasures or do you need to gather resources like souls, you know, hides, whatever to trade for those things that you need. And so the, the paths that I kind of wrote in terms of the narrative were one path was more treasure based in terms of finding artifacts and, and searching particular places to find those things you needed along the way. And the other one was more of a kind of a trapper uh, hides resources sort of aesthetic in terms of, you find out how to take advantage of the gnarl wood and its resources to provide you a trading capacity or power to, with other warbands with your your faction to gain that knowledge and power that you needed. Awesome, Joe. Uh, tell us about your warband and which path you took. I played my iron golems for actually both the competitive and the narrative, and uh, for the narrative, I allied in a slaughter priest. Oddly enough, I am one of the people that chose to go the knowledge route. Um, I based my narrative on um, actually the Slaughter Priest joining the Iron Golems to create uh, a better weapon that actually pooled the, the knowledge of the Iron Golems in creating weapons and the Slaughter Priest in contributing blood to that. So my warband went into the Narwood seeking knowledge to better alloy those two materials to make even better weapons nice and did did your choices align with that story in the end my choices actually did align with that story oddly enough as i was going through you would have thought playing 
uh, iron golems and a slaughter priest that um, I would have ended up down the trying to destroy the Gnarlwood path. But uh, in the end, actually, I was trying to preserve it, which was also odd. I would have not thought that when I started that that was the narrative path that I would have gone down. But the choices that I made pushed me down that path. Well, you brought up a, a, a quick point because we had this other layer. You sort of go in, you know, think of the forest and you've got these three uh, entry points that you could go in through knowledge, strength, and wealth. But then we sort of twist it on his head and those those branches are a choice between um, either preservation, working with the wood, or destruction, uh, destroying, working against it. Um, and so you chose to be a uh, kind of work with the wood then. I did actually, just based upon how how my my initial game went, um, I I decided when I was given one of two choices, the the preservation choice made a lot more sense for how my how my first game played out, um, and and the choices that each of us, each um, uh, Avery, who I played that first game, and I made during the course of it. Um, so it just made sense. It made sense from a narrative standpoint. Awesome. Mike, what was uh, your, your war band and which path did you choose? So I, uh, I took some iron jaws, um, mostly because I didn't have a chance to prep uh, a full narrative list that I wanted to bring. Um, and Joe happens to have uh, some really awesome iron jaws models uh, that he kindly brought and carried and allowed me to use <laughs> um, for, for this event. Um and so I made uh, a five model uh, war band called the Fink Good Friends um, and decided to go a, a very into- intellectual route with these Iron Jaws who had uh, Malog tagging along um, with them. And so came up with some really fun uh, names for all of them that were all puns you, based you, you on. Gotta share the, um, you got to share the war band theme. Too. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, do you want uh, yeah so essentially they were all based on scientists I, I got the names here I dug it out um, so there was Cleveland Hawking uh, there was Einstein um, Charles Dewin there was Steels Bohr and then there was Isaac Newton uh, which was really fun I, I love making pun names for all of my <laughs> models and uh, did all of this in the 10 minutes after uh, I made the war band and then between them the first game started so had to had to uh, cook on a on a timeline there but it was yeah, yeah really fun and um yeah the, this is the, the way the, <laughs> um it was super fun to take them down just like this silly you know like pseudo intellectual decision making path uh and really fun kind of embracing uh every time um i'd kind of come up to the table to take my next quest and vint would hold up the sheet of paper and i would take a picture of it and then i'd take a picture of him uh, every time um <laughs> It was just cool to try to embody what these guys would do uh, in their misguided uh, efforts to, um, j- yeah, just just be intelligent. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was really neat to to dig in and see all of the really cool the, the quest options that were in there and um, try to merge the the story that was available with what the warband was kind of trying to do in that. Uh, it was, yeah, really really neat. Nice. I uh, I have to comment some of those pictures are some of the best that have ever been taken of me. Uh, they show a side of me that's uh, introspective and deep and 
You know, it, it, they were just really good, Mike. I, I, <laughs> all man, I deleted them immediately. Uh, the best part, gone, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. The best part was Mike was taking pictures of of me, the thing, and then me, and then we asked if he had taken his picture, and he's like, "I have a picture with Vince." <laughs> <laughs> I have proof. <laughs> I have proof I was here. Nice. <laughs> Paven, Paven, what was your warband and which path did you take? Uh, my warband, I, I actually dug out my sheet as well. Uh, Daz Dug's Mountain Kickers. Oh, uh, the, led, led the Daz, Daz Dug, Dug Mountain Kicker? Mountain Kicker. Uh, they, were, they were, yeah, the, the uh, from the Mountain Kicker clan <laughs> uh, up in uh, Connecticut. And they uh so yeah his uh deal was he was in the narwood and he wants to fight kragnos as the number sure. one destruction uh hero uh but he doesn't have any idea where kragnos is so he thought he might be in the narwood so um my warband chose strength and they just pretty much just got lost like they ate the mushroom they <laughs> ran around the forest they caught the goblin they shook him up but they didn't like get anything done so yeah they're kind of they're 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 good they're good good boys they're doing their best but they don't yeah they're not really yeah being very productive um so so yeah one that's, of the that's uh, and then did you end up preserving or destroying i uh at the end i think i was accidentally preserving <laughs> but then <laughs> definitely destroyed yeah uh, but maybe we'll get that, to, we get to that looked, later uh, amazing as always yeah those are those are some of the first models uh, that oh, thanks, when Joe. you and I played Paven for the first time. Those were I, I remember playing those boys. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. right. Different mega boss, but same <laughs> mega mega um, friend. So, kind me. of a big question for uh, Joe, Mike, and Paven. Sort of like this was was a little bit new. We switched some things around. Can you describe for us or give us some feedback on what was that like from a narrative perspective? Was this as a narrative going into this? What did it end up how you expected uh, a Dogs of War Cry narrative event to be? Was it as narrative as you thought it would be? Is there anything that took you out of the narrative uh, through these quests or through through that sort of thing? And this is a free-for-all, so jump in. I don't think that, that I can... Oops, go, sorry, go ahead, baby. So... so- Oh, I'm jumping in. Uh, yeah, so it wouldn't be a Dogs of War Cry narrative event without a big centerpiece uh, construction. Uh, and it was really great to see the the gnarled oak like on the table during registration. Uh, and so that that always brings me in in a immersive sense. Uh, so I really like that. I like that for plunging spires. Um, <laughs> for both. And that's all the events I've been to. Uh, right, the two times. I didn't do- yeah, I didn't actually get a, uh, an opportunity to play the event last year, so I didn't have any real preconceived notions going in. So, uh, honestly, I think this exceeded my expectations for what I was uh, expecting when I came to the event. Um, it was really, really easy for me to stay within the narrative through the entire seven hours that we that we played it was just it was just so easy because um everybody that i played against was really immersed in their narrative as well and you know we we did just such a great job of telling telling a story through each one of those three games so i think it was really really easy to stay in the moment 
through the entire course of the day. Awesome. Jump, jumping off on Joe's point there too. I think one of the things that I really appreciated was the synergy between the mission that we're doing and kind of the, the secondary objectives that were going on with it, uh, with the first one, um, and I'm not sure if we'll dig into it later or not, but you know, it was, you got to get up high. You're, you're winning the game by getting up high, but you're also getting points for knocking people off. So kind of having that incentive, um, from a mechanical standpoint to do something suboptimal sometimes, uh, it, it just, it, it worked so well for me because it, it completely created this veil behind like knowing, you know, mechanically everything that's going on with it and appreciating that, but also just being able to go, yes, love it. They want to go up and that's all they want. And it, they don't like it when they go down, which unfortunately mine did a lot. But that was that was really fun to do. Okay, good, good. Well, kind of, kind of. I'll jump in here a little bit. Adding on to that, in terms of the oh god, you guys all felt the narrative experience. One of the things we debated a lot when we were designing the event and how it would work, uh, you know, especially in terms of logistics, is okay. We'll have people take pictures of the the paths and their next steps and everything else. Um, so one thing Vint and I did in the previous year is we provided handouts for everybody for each path. Do you, uh, I guess, in terms of did taking pictures of the narrative and you having that on your phone, did that help or deter your narrative path? Would it have been easier with a piece of paper in front of you? Would it, or did the phone work out? Did you actually read the narrative before you made your choices? Or did it not play a role at all? Open-ended. I completely read the narrative. So... Uh, um... It actually took me a couple of minutes as as I was scanning through the narrative to go, okay, this is this is the one that actually makes most sense for me. Um, and I don't think that there was a difference between being given a piece of paper or taking a picture with my phone. Um, I don't think either one drew me out of out of the experience at all. I would. Agree. I would agree. I would also admit to some bias in this, that the one time that I kind of got together with you guys, I thought that was a neat idea. And I think I'd kind of casually threw it. I was like, wouldn't it be cool if you didn't have to print all that stuff? And then you guys didn't have all the print stuff. I was like, nice, this is awesome. <laughs> so definitely, <laughs> definitely was like, this is so cool. <laughs> oh, you, it was, it, I think the, the narrative was really neat. I think my one issue that I have that is, I think exclusive to me is that like, I struggle to like kind of read, um, with a ton of like background noise and stuff like that. But I, so I'd kind of like walk off to the side and, uh, just kind of like, you know, practice my reading. Um, uh, but no, just try to, try to absorb it, um, and take it all in. And it was nice to have it on my phone so I could just, um, you know, <laughs> not, not, not everybody knew that I was taking forever to read all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been texts. And Exactly. Yeah, I've got stuff going on. I'm not just You're here. important. I'm a people, guy. I'm you you cool. know people. I'm cool. Don't say I'm not. And the contact list is full. We were already using our phones to take <laughs> lots and lots of pictures of of everyone's warbands and the games themselves. So I don't. It didn't. It didn't really detract using the phone to take a picture of the path that I chose. Nice. I did. I did get distracted taking the pictures of Vent though. That was. I don't know if that's a negative though. <laughs> Not for any of us. <laughs> cool. I had my Sunday's oh, finest on. And it it's was okay. fine. Ooh, oh, yeah. Oh, nice. How about you, Paven? What are your thoughts? What do you guys yeah. think about... I'm going to go a different direction. What do you guys think about like a Dogs of War Cry like, cinematic universe? Where... Like, because all of the narratives are really fun and immersive. And they tell like their own story but then they kind of live off on their own Island and we like kind of like send them off and we like, don't really revisit again. Or 
And wouldn't it be cool if like for those that get in deep with the DO down with the DOW C Yeah, you know me. Lore that like there is like threads that attach them together, or at least broadly there might be like reoccurring characters or reoccurring locations, or like how does like the event um you know the result of one event impact future events you amazingly enough you know uh, you know we the three of us Vin, eric and i met to have a post adepticon kind of uh review go through what we thought worked well what we didn't think worked well whatever else and it, you know we, we talked for like an hour and a half and after that eric and i talked for another two and a half hours about hey wouldn't it be cool if we did something like this and you know exactly what you're kind of thinking you I, know? I paid for a limit on um a bottomless soda, so I was going to get <laughs> all that. <laughs> but no, no, I mean, a- we, we've we've we thought about you know you know just kind of like the Gibbering Dome with Paul's you know sideline, you know, and Nuno has the you know the Vitriol Sea kind of Warcry AOS events that they do in the East Coast, and you know, so we kind of did some brainstorming too, and and I think that's something that we can all kind of think about and work towards in terms of you know it'd be fun to have our own slice of this world and how would we do it you know how would we bring all the war bands together in the same place and whatever else and we, we had some ideas yeah. so something the three of us would definitely and you know and more perhaps we'll have to flush out a bit more but it's yeah. something definitely we're thinking about there's a really cool kind of iteration of that and my first understanding of it was the legend of five rings card game oh, where yeah. like they literally made cards based on how tournaments yeah. went and yeah. like yeah finding similar it's just it's so immersive friend like it makes you not want to miss yeah. one if possible no. you might get on a i card played that for a while like it that. was wonderful yeah it was great that, that impact. One, of the, one of the things that we are definitely trying to weigh with um so we talked about having two events we had our under the boughs and then we had the great gnarl oak later in the night and we'll talk more about that when we get here but one of the things that was important to us and i think vint really kind of impressed this on us too not to say that this can't tie together but one of the, the one of the more important things for us for the under the bows is that this is where we have the most people coming from the most you know most different places different playing experience different levels of play and they want to come in and we want to have make sure that they have the i wouldn't say like there's different kinds of narratives where you can get super deep or super quirky or super weird, which we do later in the evening. Um, but we want this to be as kind of, it's not, it's not narrative light, but it certainly doesn't require anybody to jump too far in a narrative or wear a costume or talk in a voice or anything like that. Um, or, or go too far off of the rule set that they're familiar with. Uh, so that being said, the, one of our, our most, the most important things for us is that this event is the most approachable from a narrative, you know, narrative perspective, but just from the event itself, that being said, I think, yeah, as, as Josh alluded, I think there's absolutely a way for us to maybe start turning towards, uh, uh, you know, especially as we're doing this two years in a row now, uh, likely do it next year, uh, you know, knock on wood that, yeah. Can we steer this into something where, uh, the work we did this past year goes in this next year. And one of the things that Josh and Vint had, uh, uh, foresight of is that any, any artifact that you won last year, you could bring into this year's event. So there's certainly some tie overs with the artifacts that, that people or the work people do and the things that they gain that they could be brought back here. If that war band, uh, comes back again. So, 
And guys, I'll say you guys Sweet. printed some OP artifacts this year. We can use those in league, right? Head. We can just bring those every Tuesday. Those uh, are fine. That's... Who, who's responsible <laughs> for Leech Sword? Oh my goodness, I do not want to play JJ next year. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's good to know. It's good to know that we got some... Uh, maybe we'll just have to gang up on people. That's it. Can't wait for the... The dog of war, real treasures. treasures. Get, a, get an FAQ just for all of your stuff. Balancing <laughs> <laughs> sheets. That would be hilarious. That'd be hilarious. It's like, oh no, the leech sword suddenly lost their power <laughs> over, over the, the Warcry winner. Well, very cool. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Um, you know that that kind of that flow and getting into the narrative worked because yeah, we're working with trying to do some new things with technology. How do we save some trees by not uh, printing as much paper? Sounds like all that's worked for you guys. Obviously, anybody listening, if you want to jump into our Discord and give us feedback, we'd love to have you there. Uh, TheMortalRealms.com forward slash Discord, if that's something that you, you work with. Otherwise, you can always email us at dogsofwarcry at gmail.com, and we'd love to hear any feedback that you have about the event. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about um, kind of any of the other preparation, um, you know, uh, Josh event, you guys had done this, just the two of you last year, this year, we tried to meet a couple of times and iron some things out. I was drawing on my little iPad whiteboard stuff to try and uh, visualize some things that didn't always go super well. When I was like, wait a minute, Josh, is it this way or this way? And you're like, it's this way. Wait, what do you mean this way or that way? How was, uh, how was the prep and, and that sort of stuff leading up to this, uh, for you guys this year? Well, last year we uh, we were straight up under the gun, <laughs> so so we were in the pocket and running right away. Um, it was nice to have you there, Eric, with extra ideas and um, a willingness to change and and push us to change, and that was good. Um, and you know we've we made changes, and I think they worked out well. And I listened to these guys; they did. But we had a lot of time to prep, and I feel like we did the division pretty well. Uh, I feel like we got got things kind of together well. And uh, because we had more time to prepare, we were able to make those changes and make it seem like it's not, you know, you guys didn't know we did a lot of changes and that it was real crazy for a minute there. Uh, but we did, and it was a little crazy, but we made it through real simple. And it made it it made the, the whole thing feel a lot smoother with more hands making yeah, lighter I'll, I'll chime in and say more hands is definitely better. Uh, I also think with the three paths, having three people, is perfect. You know, and I think, you know, next year we can monopolize on that, right? You know, we could take more advantage of like, oh yeah, you are the representative for this path. You know, we did a little bit of that this year. I definitely think we could uh enjoy that more in terms of how we present that. So I, I think that was nice. That made it a lot easier in terms of this is your path. What are you doing? What's the you know, how's the story? What's it going? And you know, we all kind of peer reviewed and whatever else to kind of balance things out. But, but I think it was nice that we each had, okay, you've got this path. This is how you manage it. And, and we're going from there. And yeah. uh, I think having, uh, you know, the brainstorming sessions were always very productive and, you know, which is the best thing about the group. And I gotta, I gotta admit, even, even our local community is we all come out with so many awesome ideas and obviously you can't take everything forward. So you gotta like, okay, what makes sense for an event of this size? What are we doing in this time frame? You know, what could we do? That also kind of leads to the bonus event. It's like, okay, we can't do everything in our main event, 
but we could do something fun after it as well, you know. So, so we kind of add these additional things on, and, and and this also leads to the discussion of maybe doing two events next year, perhaps instead of doing this bonus event. But uh, I think it, I think it was nice, you know. Um, you know, again, in our in our post Adepticon discussions, we we came up with a lot of, you know, pros and cons, and what you know what we could do to improve and everything else. And I think those are awesome, and I think that's a great sign of people working well together to improve ourselves, improve the event and make it wonderful for everybody else. And I think that's the great direction. Well, I think one of the things you said, Josh, when we were uh, chatting, and I, th- I don't know if, if uh, Vint was there when you said it, but uh, with, between the three of us, um, you know, Vint has the most experience in kind of uh, tournament play, which is about kind of streamlining and making sure that people have a great experience, that the mechanics all work, that moving people around works. Uh, and all, you know, it was always, um, thinking about, well, what some people, this is their first time. We can't be too complicated. We've got to kind of move, we got to get people through it and let them engage in different ways, but not, um, ask too much of them. And I tend to be on the um, other side of, well, why does it, why do we actually have to play by the rules? Um, why can't we do something ridiculous, uh, or whatnot? And, and you kind of sit in the middle there and kind of can, can move between both of those worlds pretty easily. Um, and I think that that just meant that we were all kind of playing, you know, kind of uh, same with the branches, like we're working at some different levels and we're Mm -hmm. working to try to meld those all together and try and get the best of both worlds for that event. And then, yeah, like you said, found a place for some of those crazier ideas in the evening event. Yeah. When it came to, um, we started off with, uh, you know, Josh picked three, the first, you know, what the, what the, uh, victory conditions were going to be for the three events for the three, uh, games that everybody was going to have with those. Then we each took a quest and we all wrote off of those, um, tried to, uh, lean into, you know, kind of flavor it so that everyone's kind of having the same game experience, but having a different kind of entry point into that. Um, we each had to come up. I think uh, Mike thought he liked, said you, you said you liked the different, um, uh, what are they, hidden quests for each of those. And so mm-hmm. for each of those kind of story points, we had a hidden quest. And then uh, between first and second game, we got a heroic tweet heroic trait <laughs> second and third game uh you got a, a, a legendary artifact uh evidently some rop um yeah. and so you kind of got those uh working into it um i don't i didn't quite i like we had on paper like yeah of course we do that it wasn't until josh put together kind of he had done it last year and he put together kind of his pretty i don't say quickly you were probably working on those for a while but once you got yours done i was like oh that's what I need to put together. And I think I started doing mine and then a story finally popped, you know, there's some things I do differently kind of outline, outlining the story to get through it faster. But, uh, cause writing isn't my strength, but being able to come up with those hooks and have the, the blood ruck nest kind of come to mind. Ooh, what would happen if they went this, if they made friends with it or, or, you know, whatever. Um, uh, so there was, it was really fun kind of exploring those things. Uh, and then we did have, even though we didn't have as much to print, we had some, some to print. Um, and, uh, we had a few, we didn't leave ourselves. T- I, I appreciate Vince saying that we had plenty of time. We were, we were down to the wire on a few things, uh, you yes. know, uh, and you know, one of those things that they, Adepticon does offer some printing for us, uh, if we get things done in time. So we may try and hit some of those deadlines next year so that we can have those ahead of time, um, and whatnot. But, uh, 
but that was just, I mean, anytime you're working with a group of people trying to get something done, there's going to be some things that flip the cracks or don't get communicated well. So we're not perfect. I mean, I know, sorry, Mike, Joe, Paven, I thought, I know you think we are. I'm so disillusioned right now. Yeah, I mean, you say something like that. shattering my reality. Sometimes I say, sometimes I say swear words, um, too. How could you say something so controversial yeah. yet still so true? <laughs> anything else? I mean, in, in terms of the, the main under the bowels of Narwood, anything else you guys want to talk about or ask? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got a question for our participants actually. So, yeah. So uh, one thing you, you may or may not have noticed, we didn't, we can, we didn't describe it a lot. We, we kind of made hints and Eric did some narrative, like, uh, you know, announcements throughout the event. But obviously, your choices had two different paths: preserve or destroy, um, and um, and those kind of affected the overall end result of the campaign arc. We'll call it, you know, in terms of like, okay, yeah, your, your branching quest is your main narrative um, uh, interaction throughout this particular event. But there was an overarching narrative in terms of was the was the Narlwood happy or angered at the interactions that were going on. And and the twists that we chose in, in the second and the third round were influenced based on how many what paths people chose in those particular rounds. And I, I'm just my question is for Joe, Mike, and, and Paven. You know, did you feel that? Did you did you notice that, or, or was it part of your decision making process in terms of the events and and what you were choosing in paths? Did you find it, find it fun or useful? I. I- I, uh, just personally, I had a hard time telling what, like, if an action was a preserving or a destroying action. And actually, I probably didn't didn't think about it that much. Because uh, I would just try to be true to my warband and the decision I was making. Um, so it was that that element, like, I knew there was a meta mm-hmm. narrative going on. Well, that's I, like, good. That's good. Because we want you to choose based on your warband narrative first. And then the meta was was secondary. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I second exactly what Paven said. I I I also knew that there was an overarching um, story, but it didn't it didn't really play into my decisions as I was going through. I based my decisions specifically on how each game went and what the choices were that I was given. So um, I was actually surprised in the end when I ended up on the on the preserve side. Uh, unlike. Yeah, unlike unlike Joel and Paven, I uh, I really immerse myself in trying to uh, extrapolate any single piece of data I can out of out of Dogs of War Cry events. So I was well aware of every single time it was going on <laughs> and t- intentionally making choices. No, I uh, similarly, I think it, it definitely um, just became more of a what, what was what's the warband doing? Um, and but I do think maybe subtly, it, it not even subtly, but just like unconsciously, it was kind of shaped. Um, with the decisions that you were making, like you maybe didn't know if you were doing preserve or destroy, but you ended up going towards one of those. Mm-hmm. So like almost like reverse engineering, the reverse engineering piece that was in existence for the whole thing. Um, Cause they definitely felt like they landed on one side though. It wasn't intentional, if that makes yeah, sense. No, definitely. And you know, so one of the, the dis- discussions we have in terms of designing the event is okay. How apparent do we make it? that there's an overarching narrative? Do we make it that they focus on their personal narrative and un- unbeknownst to them, it affects an overarching narrative? Or 
to make it more obvious in case they wanted to choose a particular path. And so that's why we kind of put in parentheses, you know, preserve or destroy, so that if you recognized it, that you could choose to go down one path or the other. But, but you know, I, I enjoy the feedback you've given that you focus more on your Warband-specific narrative, regardless mm -hmm. of which path it went down, because I think that's the more true way to progress. Yeah. And it just happens to be, oh, hey, perhaps more people chose this path or more people chose this path. And I think that worked out well. Absolutely. Well, uh, and this can be erased or chopped out, Josh. Uh, if there isn't any more questions, I want to get into like thanking some people and, and talking about our awards for the this particular event before moving to the Great Narlo. Does that sound all right? Oh, no, of course. No, and, and you're the one recording this at the moment, so I can't edit it until you send it to me. Sure, no problem. Um, but yeah, I'm just saying for for future. Then, is there any other questions that somebody wants to jump in, or things they want to share about this event before we move on to the kind of how it closed off? Uh, yeah, actually, one thing that I'd like to share is um, so everybody that I met was just just amazing, um, and it was really fun talking to each individual each individual person. Um, there was a couple there that came from Kansas City, uh, Steve and Michelle, who this was Michelle's first ever, uh, her, her first ever event. Um, and she was, um, she wasn't sure what to expect coming in. And it was really, it was just really exciting to hear that when it was done, she was already thinking about next year. Um, she just enjoyed it that much um, that she's already, she, she was already thinking about next year. Um, and that was, that was a story that I just, um, really enjoyed hearing. I, I resonate with that kind of on two levels. One in that I uh, just completely agree with Joe on it, that it was, it was really cool to see people who um, are kind of having an early on Warcry experience where we're all pretty seasoned and a lot of games kind of seen a lot of what the game can do. Um, and the creatives that are kind of like, you know, like dogs of Warcry stuff where like, you know, what you can make the game that it isn't necessarily inherently set up to do. Um, and yeah, to see somebody just have that level of excitement, like, yeah, I just I found it in myself again. I was like, oh, yeah, that's so cool. And it's just, yeah, it's really fun to watch. Um, but also just to, uh, <laughs> to to gush about those two and just like, yeah, really cool people to meet. And um, it sounds like they've got the community like rocking down in Kansas City. So figuring out a way to just all, more Warcry people together is always a good time. And figuring out a way to, to get with them some more would be, be awesome because they were just fantastic people to be around. Yeah, definitely. Nice shout out to Kansas City. Also, there was a super secret uh, thing that Michelle shared with us that uh, involves pencils and blue tack and uh, pulling tokens off the board that I won't share any more details on, but I've completely <laughs> stolen it. I plan to use Got a whole box of pencils and a whole package of blue tack ready for action. Actual, actually, Michelle gave us, gave us a blessing changing. to share that. So if you wanted to, <laughs> to elaborate, Mike, you, now's the time. Well, okay. All right. So the genius that is Michelle has these tools that she uses in the game that is uh it is a pencil with blue tack stuck on one end um it, it gets pretty technical you, you i think there's instructions online how to put them together um or we could probably i know i we got i know steve's on the discord we could reach out to him and see if she can share some pointers about construction um maybe lay it out step by step but um and then as you put your fiddly little tokens down with your sausage fingers and you need to pick them back up 
um, without flicking models and terrain and the trees grabbing onto your sleeves. Um, you use the pencil with the blue tack on it to just stick it on the tokens, and you, you can pick up like four or five tokens if you if you do it right. She, the, watching their skill with it was truly something to behold. <laughs> um, but it was just such a great idea that it's so simple and so effective and helpful for the game. And uh, yeah, it was just it was a really neat idea that <laughs> it's just cool. <laughs> We should probably uh, do a 3D uh, model of a of a pickup stick that gets blue tack on it perfectly. Right, you can right. perfectly yeah. attach blue tack to. <laughs> make sure we get some AutoCAD engineering on this. Get some uh, TikTok demonstrations. Absolutely. No, it was <laughs> how hard can we over-engineer pencil and blue tack? Let's see. <laughs> oh, oh, there are ways. Um, awesome. Well, I just want to kind of just talk about everybody who came to to this event. All 40 of you who showed up and brought that energy, brought that openness to play the game in a new way with strangers um, and and to create the types of games that that both new play new players and seasoned players could come in and have a unique experience. And that's everything that we want from uh, not only a Dogs of Warcry event, but when you come to Adepticon and you're spending money to travel, hotels, uh, a big chunk of time there. We want that to be uh, as as positive and and fulfilling of a experience as it can be. And it sounds like, to some degree, we we were able to get that. Uh, if anybody who attended didn't have that full experience, please get back to us and let us know how we can improve on that. Um, but just thank you for every, you know first and foremost everybody that showed up and and put themselves out there. A special quick thanks to uh, one Avery W who in between uh, rounds was like, Hey, how can I help you out? And I believe uh, James uh, J also kind of pitched in and helped out with some things with setup and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a few uh, mortal realms uh, crew help out Aaron B and Phil M I'm saying last initials. Cause I don't know if everybody wants to have their full names uh, mm-hmm. spoken on a podcast. And then also uh, Paven, your friend uh, Zach L who came uh, and, and kind of just was able to help out, hang out, uh, do some things here or there. Uh, it was awesome having not only all of our players, but a little bit of rolling deep with our crew um, and uh, you know, being able to kind of just, I don't know, have some fun hanging out and, and feeling that vibe. Um, feeling so supported. that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it did, it, we definitely felt supported. So that was, that was cool. Yeah. Um, then uh, this particular event, because it was our big narrative event, we have uh, nine awards and these are the awards we give out at, uh, I think all of our events. I'm sure some of them have, mm-hmm. well, some of them, have, we've, they've changed a little bit over the time. This one has three that are specific for the event. Right. Um, but uh, they are, I'm going to read them off uh, and tell you what who won those awards. So for the event, we have uh, the Sage of the Gnarlwood, and that is the most uh, glory for Down the Path of Knowledge. And that was our very own Joe Alexander uh, here with us. Everybody, Ooh. round of applause. <laughs> and then, wait, wait. yeah. Uh, war, warrior of the Gnarlwood, most glory uh, for strength and power. That was a Pavend. Uh, congratulations, Pavend. <laughs> uh, then we got Entrepreneur of the Gnarlwood, a most glory with wealth. And that was our friend from Canada. That was our friend, Thomas A. Everybody, round of applause. Uh, coming from Canada. Yes. <laughs> then we have some of our other standards. Uh, our uh, favored 
uh, champion award, the most glory overall. So in other events, this might be the person who won the most games for us. It's just how much glory did you amass? Uh, not necessarily how many games did you win? Uh, but if you won the game, you got the most glory. Uh, Peter M. Uh, congrats to Peter. Nice, um, nice. Most the most gamesome. So the the person that uh, that people thought was the best to play against uh, uh, was Darcy B. And uh, she, she's got a YouTube yeah. channel and paints amazing models and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, favorite war band uh, was the ooh man I should have had the name ready here. Uh, was a Nurgle Warband, and it was awesome. And that was uh, Michael J. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Fantastic. And just overall, the amount of mm-hmm. beautiful armies that people showed up with uh, was, was just, it was great. I mean, a Warcry feels like it has that potential to kind of, you know, you don't have to put as much uh, time into it as you would a, a whole army. Uh, but even still, people put some major time into their conversions and their paint and all that kind of stuff. If, if you need anybody to carry it for you, Joe is great at all it. over that. <laughs> uh, then we had uh, Forsaken, uh, had the most models slain, uh, so kind of was <laughs> the least favored. Uh, and that was James R. Uh, so for taking all of that, just had, I don't know how many, two or, I think he had two or three models slain. So we didn't have a heavily, uh, heavy slaying. Uh, <laughs> people didn't lose Do their roster. Yeah. 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 Let's cheer. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then Most I want to apologize. I'm going to apologize to, to James J and Scott O because, uh, we mixed up or we just, I don't have a record of who got, which we've got a uh, life stealer caused the most models to be slain and headhunter took the most leaders out of action. Uh, quite the duo there. These guys might be tag team champions. Uh, so that's James J and Scott Oswald. One of them got one of those and the other one got the other one. Uh, but those were some of our narrative awards. And uh, for that, then uh, we printed off little or, or Josh printed up some little, uh, slon toad uh trophies with the mm-hmm. uh, the title on it so hopefully those of you who have those in hand that you cherish those uh as your as a memory of our time and then we we've gave out some other things uh um shout out to um doug from two plus tough for donating an army a small war band um of uh, mm-hmm. rot flies and all that kind of as a Nurgle war band that yep. we were able to, to, shake to, out. Yeah. to, awesome. to raffle off and everybody who came got to put their name in the hat. And then uh, just a lot of cool, different prize support from uh, Adepticon. Uh, and then we got to hand out our stickers as well uh, for, for that as well. So uh, just thank you again, everybody. I hope uh, those of you who uh, were noted, were noticed for some reason, either because of uh, the games you played or one of these awards, just I hope you had a fantastic uh, time at the event. And just to add to that, you know, I, I, you know, we, you know, as a group, we tried to engage with you very well with the narrative, and 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 uh, in particular, Eric was great about shouting out what was going on and what was happening, and everybody seemed very engaged, and we loved that. We appreciate that so much. And I've got a Eric picture said, of everybody pretending to be Narrowwoods together. <laughs> Perfect, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and you know, and if again, if you could just email us at dogsofwarcry.com. And let us know if you have any feedback in terms of what we could do better, what you loved, what you didn't like. We'll we'll make it the best event we can, you know, going forward. Say that email one more time. Dogs of Warcry at gmail.com. Or or join the Discord and just come and talk to us about it. Yeah, come hang out. Um, we talk about Warcry all the time. 
All right. Uh, so then we had an evening game because we couldn't fit everything we wanted to do into uh, the main event. Uh, we decided, mm-hmm. hey, why don't we also create a second event and not have people sign up for it? People can just show up if they want to. We'll talk about it. Uh, and then we did that. So we closed down the the awards probably like 6.30, closing in on 7. And like by 7.20, 7.30, we were rolling dice again, uh, which was pretty crazy. This was the great gnarl oak. Uh, I'll recap it real quick because I think I ended up, t- t- we had this, or this was one of those where maybe we were like, this is, Vint might have been, Eric, this is too crazy. Uh, we need to kind of rein it in for the main event. And I was like, you're probably right. So I'll just write it anyway and we'll play it later. Um, <laughs> uh, so this was, we had made and uh, planned it for as many people that could have come. We could have had up to 40 players. But we ended up having 20 people, uh, most of them from the narrative event, uh, but a few people that couldn't play um, and came back later. And and some people that had played in the um, the competitive event and we had told them about it and they came back and played. Uh, we had five boards, four players at each board, uh, two teams, and uh, we had people split evenly down the middle and fight uh, the great Gnarl Oak. So we took the tree that that Paven had pointed out kind of themed the night of the day. We set that in the middle uh, kind of of the long table and, and we had it where all the, all the boards could move to other boards and uh, we racked up. Um, and the goal was to do either as much damage. If you were the destroy team, as much damage to the, to the great gnarl oak as you could. And if you were the preserve team to heal the gnarl oak as much as you could, Across those five boards, we had three different scenarios. We had the big gnarl oak in the middle that you could go up and punch. We had its vines uh, mid-table um, on either side that you could um, either, if you died by them, they'd absorb your uh, your life force, or you could burn them and, and, and uh, cripple the tree. And then the end tables, we had these wells that then the destroyers were trying to throw caustic, uh, cursed, um, you know, poisonous items into those wells to, to damage the tree, a little more treasure, uh, kind of mission. Yeah. yeah. Just, uh, just to add on to that, that this is a multiplayer event, you know, Eric may not have stated that specifically, but everybody is working together, two different sides on five different tables, four people per table to affect the end result on the center table. And our setup for this was that we played three rounds because we were trying to get it done in about two hours. And each round, we'd get a tally of everything that would happen, all the damage, all the the healing, and figure out where we ended up uh, with the uh, with with the the ups and the downs. We'll get to kind of the the end result and kind of the big dramatic uh, piece that kind of got us there, but. We'll start back with I just I guess Josh and 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 Vint. Uh, how was it uh, for you guys to again that we were going to try and add on this evening event on top of spending a whole day running an event? What was that initially like for you guys thinking about? I was uh, uh, I was pretty excited about it. I uh, I was real curious about how it would go. I know that one of the things uh, we talked about it we wanted to do more of was maybe get some more play testing and things with it. But I think at the end of the day, like it worked pretty good. There's, you know, maybe a small hiccup here or there, but 
all things considered, went really well. I concur. I think I think people enjoyed the event. Um, I think, you know, one of my main goals in this particular event was, you know, that people kind of felt it throughout the even beginning event where, you know, the the third scenario in our in our narrative event was roots popping up and it was from the great Narlog. You know, so it kind of tied into this bonus event where people might like be, oh, I can continue my narrative into this particular event, but it wasn't excluded, you know, so people could come in from, you know, whoever showed up could show up in this multiplayer event. It didn't have to be people from particularly this narrative event. But it still had this concurrent theme throughout the entire day. And I love that aspect of it. And, yeah. and and what I particularly liked was that it was it kind of reminded me or we were hoping to design it like these older 40k mega battles that I used to play in where multiple tables would have an impact on a main table. And uh, that's kind of where we drove with this particular narrative where we've got five tables, but four of the tables affect the main table in terms of the great narrow and what's going on. And everybody feels like they're contributing to a greater objective. And each side feels like they're working towards a particular goal. And I thought that was a great twist in a particular aspect that, that other people may not have had a chance to experience yet. So I thought it was really fun to add that to a, a Warcry multiplayer experience. And I, and, and I, it seemed like everybody had a great time with it. Yeah. And, and dare we say, one might suggest that there was the largest single game of Warcry ever played. Um, but we, we could be wrong. Yeah, sure. Definitely. I mean, why caveat it? Um, <laughs> uh, anybody else uh, just uh, kind of open the table? What did you guys think about uh, going to that event? And, and uh, what was it like kind of moving from, uh, you know, semi war war cry with a little bit of narrative to uh you know hold on to your butts well we've played um a multiplayer event before that uh, josh set up for us locally so i think most of us had some experience in actually doing that but in this case it was it was very interesting just because um one of the rules that i don't think was mentioned was that if you were on a table um, there were five different tables set up, but you could jump to the table that was next to you. Basically, all the tables were connected. So if I wanted to, I could pop my one of my um, units off of our table and pop them over to the table to the next and help with whatever scenario was over there. Um, now, my table, actually, we didn't end up doing that, but I know that uh, there was at least one other table that did. So uh, that was a very, it was a very neat idea. Um, I think uh, maybe, it, maybe if we had had a chance to maybe play test it a little bit more, that uh, I think we might have seen more jumping across across table. Sure, that's not a that's not a rule that is very uh, intuitive or inherent in most games, and so there could have been more ways to kind of uh, encourage people or find ways to to encourage that. How about you, Mike or Paven? What did you guys think about the game? I thought it was awesome. It was <clears throat> a really, really good time. Uh, it was just such a neat experience to have that um, a whole team basically cheering for the exact same outcome. Uh, and then another team, uh, Paven and I were on the same team, and I think Joe was on the opposite team. Um, and uh, it was just cool to see 
Joe sad a whole bunch. You know, <laughs> usually don't get to see it. You know, he's he does pretty well in our local league, so it's just nice to see him downtrodden for once. Oh, uh, really enjoyed. Yeah, I really wanted to jump across the tables. <laughs> it was uh, it was just really neat to to have that kind of shared um, joy and pain. Um, and yeah, there's definitely I think yeah, <laughs> might might cover it, but there was some uh, specific joys and pains that were tied around a, a central idea uh, or or uh, occurrence that was going on. But um, yeah, and and the planning beforehand was actually something that I kind of. Uh, Pavin and I were kind of um, spitballing for a minute, and then you know you're you're making a team, you're you're coming up with this collaborative effort, um, not to just go plop down at a table, but okay, whose warbands are going to be best suited to, you know, being on this specific board or another board, and um, that that part I think was something I literally didn't even think about until right now when you asked it that I I really enjoyed that part of it where normally you know you're like all right hammer dagger shield let's get out there let's get whacking, um, and this time it was you know like oh where we where should we go you shouldn't go there. That's terrible for you. You should go over there. So like that part a lot. Right. We had asked because the, the middle board was sort of a, a, a big fight. The mid boards were an objective kind of a mission and the end boards were more of a treasure mission. We kind of allowed the teams to kind of like pick which of their armies might be better suited for those different types of games. Yep. Yeah, uh, I'll, I just wanted to say this is like the war cry I really wanted to sign up for. Just like very evocative, big tree in the middle, two two teams squaring off, like really unique scenarios happening all around, and uh, <laughs> completely destabilizing game breaking mechanics introduced. Uh, so yeah, it was it was super fun. I had a lot of fun playing with like my partner and like the whole team. Um, and yeah, it was really really good time. Wonderful. I think the, the, this scenario was like the highlight of the whole event for me, even though it was like not officially part of it. It was like, yeah, this is, this is when things were really fun. I'll say this. We did play test one of the games, uh, which was the end tables because it was so out of the world, like different from what you normally see. It was basically you have th- three to four objectives and you had to bring treasure and put them into the objective spaces in order to uh, do damage to the tree and any objectives that didn't have that treasure in it would heal the tree. So it was just a a crazy different uh, scenario. Uh, It had one tweak where when you pick up the treasure at the end of your activation, you automatically dropped it. You can't hold on to it like a hot potato Um, in order to just get the treasure moving around the table more or not being held by one person and, and, you know, uh, be unable to grab it from anybody else. So that was the one we, we, I meet us in our league. We played two games of that and I thought it was all right, but it was a definitely a different than what most people are used to playing. Um, Joe, you played on that table. Um, we'll, we'll get to the center table. Uh, but how did you feel like that went for, you know, you had played that once or twice. I had played it twice actually. And we tested it twice uh, and we had made some suggestions um, yeah. about how to tweak it and i actually thought that those played out really well on that table it, it ended up being a very a very even game for uh, for us uh, based upon those rule changes that that we had kind of talked about so i thought that that actually went that that those now my sorry my table i can't speak for the other one at the far end but ours actually i thought went pretty well once we got an idea of what we were trying to accomplish nice uh, I think at the perfectly balanced. We'll say perfectly balanced with everything. What was that, Mike? 
Perfectly balanced, just like the dice. Right? <laughs> perfectly balanced, perfectly balanced scenarios. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, I mean, the center table, Josh. That one was a you know objective, burn the objective sort of thing, right? It, it just that was the second table uh, was actually the one I was on. If you want to, if you want a firsthand yeah, accounting, t- tell me it. about mid table then. Yeah, it was um, <clears throat> basically there was some some roots sticking out of the ground that were objective markers, uh, and as the um, the destroyers after yeah after spending the entire uh, day protecting the gnarlwood, uh, iron jaws iron jawed and just said you know what all right we'll just flip sides and start start bashing face and killing trees. Um, so yeah, we were trying to uh, destroy objectives, and every time we could destroy an objective which we controlled, which would happen once per turn, um, we would do damage to the tree, and then for each model either uh on either side of the table um that was killed or or taken down within uh i think it was three inches of an objective Mm -hmm. um it would heal the tree so essentially that the life force of that um entity being absorbed by the tree um and it was they they uh recovered more by defeating us and still recovered some if their models went down kind of defending those objectives. It was really neat. It was a fun, um, you know, it it took this really familiar idea of objective play and really added a a unique twist to it that we're like, Oh, I, I, I usually I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm still holding that objective. Uh, you know, if I die, I die. But this one was like, no, like you don't want to have the model go down because it, it, it strictly helps, um, the other team. So, that was really neat. Um, we had some really fun moments in there, um, kind of in the game, and uh, yeah, it was a, it was a. I think, I think our game um, ended up in a, in a tie. So again, perfectly balanced, one hundred percent balanced at the <laughs> end table and the middle table. I think, which is a great sign, right? Because probably the, the center table was exactly the same, perfectly balanced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> let's let's go to right. you, Paven, at the center table. It was a bit of just uh, smash the tree. Would you add any more nuance to the the mission for for the middle table? Yeah, so uh, middle table was, uh, if I remember correctly, you did damage um, based on da- damage to the tree, based on damage you afflicted under your opponents if you were attacking, and if you were de- uh, defending the same thing, you would heal the tree based on damage you mm-hmm. did. Uh, but that damage would be increased the closer you got to the tree, with the attackers having the additional opportunity mm-hmm. to attack the tree directly for triple damage. Um the tree, the tree was unfortunately at the far end of uh, the long board. Uh, so we had to like not only fight our way through, not die, and then uh, attack the tree, hopefully at the end there. So we, we chose our like fastest and punchiest stuff for the middle table. Um, although we were a little bit careful because we had like Stormcast and um, Slaves to Darkness coming back against us. So we didn't want to get counterpunched too hard. Question that Joe posed about being able to cross the table and i was like so excited about being permissive about that uh, i had somebody ask me and they were like so if i just i just go over here so we didn't like i said we had kind of designed it for 40 people and so in the middle board would have been or the middle uh table would have been two boards with the tree in the middle of the two boards like if they're touching the short edge t- touching and then you'd have attackers or destroyers uh deploying on the far ends of those boards going towards the middle tree but we didn't we had enough to just do one board in the middle and i put the tree on the end and one of the questions was okay uh so the one of the boards next to it that was closest to the trees like so if i move over here do i just move right here next to the tree and i was like i didn't take a second i didn't think i said yeah you just move over there 
I was just thinking about like, yeah, it's just permissive. Like, just go, get over there. I should have taken a second and had them, uh, that end of the table, like connect to where your deployment zone was pave into like a little bit further from the tree to kind of have it some distance to move. However, I, you know, I went by my word. So a gut Lord popped over, uh, that little tiny edge stood right next to the tree and whacked it for like 73 damage, uh, in the first turn, um, which sort of, uh, sent the, sent the, the game down a certain path, uh, from the get go. <laughs> how, 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 how that perfect <laughs> timber, he yelled the timber right immediately away. Immediately started to Let's just say that the environment, uh, did not, uh, did not get the best end. No, no. So Paven, how was that on your board? What was the, what was the, the mood like once that happened? We were feeling pretty good. Like we were like, all right, I think we got it. <laughs> Cause there was this really intense, like kind of combat happening in the center of our board with like all of the players that started on that. And then suddenly there's a gut Lord that's like super powered up. You know, he's not just regular gut Lord. He's like, got he's been chugging down those brews. Um, so he's like hitting for a ton of damage. Um, and there's like no way they're going to get back to him in time. And it's just so much. It's like one of the highest, uh, like attack damage models, yeah, yeah. uh, hitting for triple it was, damage. It was hitting uh, 1530, so like, ah, I think, with triple damage. Yeah, yeah. Well, Regular one. hits 15 and crits for 30. Just your, just your average <laughs> profile. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, Sometimes breaking the game is really fun, and I think that's what the experience we get to have. <laughs> nice. So, so you know, just a, a random question out here in terms of, you know, so we, we kind of designed this event as a unique multiplayer mega battle sort of scenario. Is that something that the three of you that got to participate would enjoy doing something again? Emphatically, yes. Yeah. As emphatically, yeah. also yes. Yeah, I think you guys. Yeah, yes, and I really appreciated the number of innovations that you guys had in this game, and I'll and I'll sing your praises here because multiplayer Warcry can feel like a slog sometimes. Like you're just like waiting for people to activate. Um, so really good. Like separate tables could all play in parallel, even though you kept like the time. Like you like all right, everybody do your round, and then everybody got to do their round together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I thought that sped things up and made things a lot more fun. And then you, everybody was limited in the number of fighters they could bring as well. So you weren't playing like full war bands. It was like, I think we were all playing with half. Um, and that also sped things up a lot. So I really appreciated those two things to make it like, um, like you still had the speed and excitement and like risk of war cry, but everything was connected together in like a multiplayer game. So. Um, I thought those were really smart. Great. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Having that tag team element was really, really fun being able to share that with your opponent. And like Pavin said, I mean, the, you end up with only, you know, maximum still of 2000 points on the board between both sides. So, you know, maximum of a thousand points either side, if you manage to get exactly your 500 points across, which really prevents the game from slowing down, which um, yeah, can really can become very, very sloggy in a hurry when you've got, uh, what was it, six or seven or eight players that we played a game with one time right. that you can right. kind of <laughs> yeah. grab some food and come back and have two people before it's your turn. Exactly. Still. So exactly. yeah, that was, it was elegant in that sense. Okay. And, and in terms of um, being able to move from table to table, is that something that was appealing or just something you didn't really consider? 
I think I think it was appealing. If you're going to do it again, there has to be a limit on how close <laughs> yeah. the truth you get. Um, Fair. Yeah. Fair. I, yeah. I think that's, that's fun. I really like that the battlefields are connected. Um, so, yeah, I think th- that rule doesn't have a problem except in that one specific circumstance where, like, the tree, nobody was watching the backside of the tree. Yeah. Yeah, for, sorry, for my table, I think it was, uh, we were really just focused on killing each other. Uh, so we, I don't think anybody really even stopped to think, oh, I should go pop over to the other table. No, we were just focused on wiping each other off the board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the same on our one. And I think maybe just having, like, obviously the tree was a huge incentive to, to cross over and start smashing with your gut lord and ripping bark off and chewing holes through Fair. it. Um, but I think trying to incentivize uh, a reason to go between the tables other than it might help them um, having a specific, you know, rule tied to it. Like, Hey, all of a sudden this gets an extra activation each turn or, you know, something like that um, to, cause it's still, you know, kind of suboptimal switching sides, moving it to a mm-hmm. spot and spending the, whatever resources it takes to get there. Um, but then making it worth its while when it gets there. And then, cause then you can just get some crazy, you know, crossover games and, um, yeah, <laughs> some models that are just like, oh, like looking around like John Travolta and, uh, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The, the meme of John Travolta. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, <Pulp Fiction. laughs> Very cool. Very cool. And what, in terms of, we kept it to three, three rounds because like you said, uh, Paven, like multiplayer can go bad, right? It can feel slow and we didn't want it to drag on. Uh, we ended up doing that three uh, rounds in an hour and a half uh, because we did. We started with like half hour rounds, and then we went to a twenty minute round because nobody's got you know full armies uh, in round three. Um, did that pacing feel all right? Did the total length of that game feel all right? Did it feel like too short? Would another would two hours been a better kind of round for that, or what did you guys think? Um, I thought that actually having a longer time frame for the for the first at at the very least the first round would have been better just because it it took a little while to actually get get stuff set up and then figure out exactly okay this is what i'm trying to accomplish on on the board for four different people right so uh i don't think my table actually did not make it through uh one full round of turns before we before we called time got it but an earlier or longer first round could have been beneficial i I think so because then by the time you get into the second and third rounds i think you have a better idea of what you're doing at that point so it played we played much faster at that point yeah any other thoughts on length Far, far be it for me to critique the length of a game when Joe and I play. You know, you, you can watch two full Lord of the Rings extended editions by the time we get to round three. Yeah, sometimes, so. could climb, could crawl across the whole table. <laughs> is, uh, is that a new definition of slugfest? <laughs> yes, <it is>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think that I agree with Joe having a longer first round to kind of absorb it. Um, and then the latter rounds, uh, being shorter is fine. Cause I, in, in our game, a lot of models got lifted in a hurry. Um, it was about fighting. You needed to get out of there. And so, you know, that, that automatically speeds up the game. Um, you know, you just got fewer activations, less thinking and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like it's almost like exponential as models get taken off the table. You know, the whole round goes that much faster, um, to a, you know, beyond just what that model would normally do. So, um, 
yeah, I, I think having the later ones a little shorter is completely fine, but definitely just a little bit more time to, uh, to, to figure out what we're all doing on the front end. Yeah, um, I, I just just speaking for my table, maybe because it was low model count, because um, everybody just brought their big tough fighters. Uh, it, we had no problem with time on any of the rounds. Um, I think a four, I think three felt fine. Um, it wasn't like oh man, I, like we just didn't get to the action. Like a lot, most most things were dead. But uh, I think a fourth round could have been fun too if we if we had time for it. Um, but. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel like it's missing out. Like maybe more time at the end to wrap up the narrative would have been, like we'd been able to talk yeah. more about like what 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 does the tree falling mean, or like in giving some teasers about what it could mm-hmm. mean. Like oh no, there's like an egg inside. Whoa, um, or whatever. You <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I know we were trying to like we were like late, you know, to the next thing. So uh, you know, we had to, yeah, you know, things were yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I think the fourth round would have fit, but yeah, and especially given kind of the trajectory too of where it was going, I don't know that a fourth round would have. Yeah. Too long of the game, right? Right. It would have. Yeah, we would have killed two. Yeah, we would have all had that laugh again. Poor tree. Poor tree. Yeah. Poor tree. Um, yeah, I think. Th- I mean, there's there's some parts that so in the end um, had so I think that the. the um, the gut Lord ended up doing like 200 some damage just on its own. It's crazy. crazy. Pulling out the gut Lord. I think, uh, it, it came down to like 300 to 250. So it was like a, a 50, 60 point difference between, um, uh, dis- destroy one over, uh, healing, um, which isn't a bad spread. Um, I feel like that was close. The gut Lord obviously, uh, <laughs> perverted that, uh, quite a bit. Um, but w- certainly one of the things we've talked about is, is for an event like this, this was a bit of spaghetti at the wall, a bit of trying to say, Hey, everybody who's coming, this is not an event you paid for. It's not an event you signed up for. It's just here. We're going to have some fun, uh, and see how it goes. Uh, in that regard, uh, I think we want to do something maybe a little bit more tested, a little bit, you know, that's crazy like this, that has a bit more depth to it the multiplayer aspect to it that could be really fun mm-hmm. um and it's good to hear that that it was paving that it was a highlight for you or something that like uh that you know this one maybe more than the other one was was big because it gets that that meaty crazy um a little more uh quirky narrative to it and and i think we want to have that as as another signature of a, a dog's war cry event uh in the future mm-hmm <laughs> Paven, did you think that half half the enjoyment out of this one was actually, you know, the ten people on your side getting together and talking about, well, you should you should go to this table and you should go to this table. Um, it's kind of like all of it. Like I had a lot of fun, like c- collaborating with uh, my team, uh, as well as like specifically like um, playing like on my table the game, uh, you know, with my partner. I think it was Peter. Uh, who was a great uh, partner in crime for that for that game, and then the the, the opponent. My, I forget them, the names of my opponents, but they were both really fun to play against as well. That game was fun, but I just my particular thing is I really like things that make me that inspire my imagination, and I like having that tree and like it being on the table, and then trying to smash it, and then thinking about what that would mean is my jam. And so like that whole game with like the roots and the pools and the, um, and then just the, and then being able to play in that 
space for you know an hour and a half was uh really like it, it, it hits my spot that's great to hear i gotta get back to our uh notes i'm sorry you have to cut this out <laughs> <laughs> we're in our notes we're within there the realms of the notes it's all good no well i, I was on a different page entirely i apologize <laughs> oh i see i see <laughs> as a as a, a sad point of the event, the worst part of my weekend was when Paven and I had made the plan to play together, and then we didn't play together. I was so excited. I was like, "It's finally, it's happening!" And then, nope, we got we were separated, and our hands slowly slipped apart, and we played on different tables. And then also both just chose not to play near each other, like cross boards to do it, which is on us. <laughs> it's on you. You had plenty of time to make that up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and the rules explicitly, you know, allowed for going to the same table. So. Yeah. So which one of you uh, made the excuse? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I got. I got to go this way. Um. It. It, it was. Even. It just made sense. It was like it, it. It wasn't either of us. It was just the bad timing for oh, both of us. You know, we couldn't uh, make it work. Nice narrative tore you apart. Nicely done. I was personally well, very thankful that we were able to do that because then I didn't have to play either with Mike or against Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think from my perspective, similar, I almost would have wanted to take not necessarily more time in a given round. I mean, I do liked what you said, Joe, of like, hey, more time in round one, you know, and, and start bringing it down. But I also wouldn't have, would have loved it to be a little bit more of a, like have more casualness to it a little bit, like mm-hmm. have more opportunity between rounds to scheme or think about something or have some, some aspect to play or to just chat with your team or other people and, and then get, all right, we're going to start round two, you know, just to, I, I guess, make it a little bit more, I don't know if casual is the word, but a little bit more social. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know exactly how that would have happened without it taking people out of it either. I think the hidden hidden objectives that you did with the the regular event, I think that would be another great way. You know, you can figure out a way to um, have every, you know, okay, choose one person on the whole team. That's like, just to bring up Paven's egg again. That was, I love, love that one, but somebody's carrying an egg. And if this fighter dies this round, you know, make it known and yeah, try to figure out with your team who might survive through the round when the other team knows they got to take them down, you know, something like that. Yeah. So, so to, to, to add to that, you know, uh, one of the things we've kind of, touched on you know throughout the podcast is that we're thinking of now instead of having this bonus event making it an actual event so you know perhaps having our our main narrative event on a friday having this bonus event as a actual event on saturday you know so do you think having it as a separate event where we could um perhaps uh, devote more time and specific information to it would be more beneficial would you enjoy that more would you be able to sign up for both events or would it be better, is it still, um, I guess, more beneficial to have it as a bonus event instead of a actual event? Two events. Emphatically two events. <laughs> okay. Okay. I just want to make sure. You know, we don't, you know people have conflicts. So you don't, you, don't, you don't want to throw out extra events for people who are too busy to, to do other things. But mm-hmm. certainly we, we think it would be like a full day. <laughs> that's the question i mean it could be something that has um other elements to it it could mm-hmm. it could be more than one multiplayer event uh, mm-hmm. so it could be two multiplayer events and so you know if one is is you know two hours or two two hour events or whatever with time in between for um you know 
like hobby type stuff. Um, not sure, but just wondering if people would want to take more time with it. Um, if we had more innovative stuff to bring to it. Right. Some, right. Some more cry. Yeah, I was going to say more, it, more exactly. cry, right? More cry. Yeah, 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 more yeah. cry. Or do- the dogs of war cry. More dogs of war would cry. Would you be willing to dogs dedicate more to war cry? Exactly. Um, <laughs> I think the only, you know, the only dilemma would potentially be if we're speaking about Adepticon specifically, uh, if you roll into Saturday, then you're going to roll into AOS teams and correct. You know, correct. that, that might pull a number of people who speaking for myself specifically, uh, you know, I would love to be able to do the AOS teams event. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I had to choose between work AOS teams, it's going to be, you know, <laughs> I'm probably going to go with the, the work ride because, you know, I just love the narrative part of it. Mm-hmm. Super, super fan. That's how you get on the podcast. You give up everything in your oh, life just to oh, yeah. go to a dogs of war. Crime, right? Yeah. 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 We got it. Hey, you're uh, recording. Hey, we got it recorded. <laughs> this is down. <laughs> uh, one of the things I was thinking about as we've been talking, guys, is that if we move to 60 tables next year, uh, that we would have the same amount of tables, not players, players, as the AOS yeah, teams tables. event. 60 players would be. Oh, it's only be 30 tables. Never mind. My math's bad. It's late at so time were, of recording. You heard it here from Vince. 120 players. That's right. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. busting them in. Well, we I do yeah. think that for that 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 more <laughs> nuanced multiplayer event, it probably wouldn't be as easy to do with um you know as many people. And one of the things we were wondering about too is, is do we, can we ask more of people's hobby or, um, you know, could we, could we do some stuff where people who want to be a part of it ahead of time might be able to, to, to prep some fun stuff for it, um, or, or be more intentional about what they create that kind of adds to that overarching narrative, uh, that gets carried on for, uh, into the future. Um, and so that, that could whittle down how many people want to participate, uh, or, you know, um, you know the way that is but it, it would definitely be a deeper narrative and that may not be everybody's cup of tea so um I, I have a couple of ideas that are pretty pretty crunchy that i can throw out later so that i don't just take up time with uh harebrained schemes right now but yeah I, I think there's a way to maybe blend the two and um yeah get not necessarily add more time at the event but find a way to to have people either maybe put beforehand or something like that but um to, to still get everybody engaged at that level and still be able to do all of it yeah. while, you know, like all the things you want to do while you're there. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Looking forward to hearing them and shooting them down. Oh, 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 oh. cool. No, I, that was a joke. Uh, guys, it was a joke. We, ha- we make those oh. jokes here. We, you remember Mike, when you were saying about Joe and not want to play him. Uh, Guys, I'm not uh, the bad guy here. I'm not. I'm. I'm a good guy. <laughs> no, Eric. Eric, where's my family? Also, you said we've been on for quite a while now. You said I'd be able to see them at some point. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I told you not to bring. I know. Bring just it, the bring basement it, to bring it up buddy. again. We'll find them soon. Oh Reset the clock. <laughs> if uh, Reset the dance, clock. monkey dance. Hey, anybody out there, if you could share this podcast so that uh, I can help get my family back, that'd be really helpful for me. We are your family, Mike. <laughs> we are your family now. There is only one family now. The dogs awesome. work on family. All right. So <laughs> to bring us back on track, uh, 
that that gets us through most of what yeah. I think we have written down. I don't have anything. But any any other things anybody wants to talk about, chat about, share about, or we get all the good stuff. I think we squeezed a lot of the juice. Awesome. I think we nailed it all. Uh, now that we've talked about all of that, uh, I think we should wrap it up with the Discord. So join us on the Mortal Realms Discord at themortalrealms.com slash Discord and come talk to us. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at the Dogs of Warcry or D O W Vint uh, on Twitter. And Josh, how do we get a hold of you? J E Arrington. You can also reach us all at at dogs of warcry at gmail.com and you can find me stone monk at stone monk gamer on twitter though i'm not there much but please join us on the discord uh you can find mike and joe on farmers only uh <laughs> you'll notice their pictures right away <laughs> you see us we're nice. like we're, we're the only two you can scroll through <laughs> actually you'll see us so we'll know if you go left because <laughs> not a lot of choices <laughs> Yes, yes, we're in the background of every single picture that was taken with Eric. <laughs> Check those pictures out for our facial expressions as they're taking those pictures. Farmers only. Nice. Nice. <laughs> and Paven, where can we find you next episode? <laughs> Dang it. Uh, uh, you don't. <laughs> in reallife.com. <laughs> <laughs> Realize.com. You're not even there. He's in the woods somewhere, no, guys. I, I, I hope to, I hope to be on other cool, stuff cool. at some well, point. Don't Fair. commit too hard. You don't want to be able to not make those commitments. Well, we we loved having <laughs> you guys on, and uh, look forward to getting another episode soon. Bye. Hey. All right. Bye. All right. I'm gonna, thanks, everybody. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks. I'm gonna. It's time to put a muzzle on this episode. If it was a good dog, support the show with a positive review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast. Share it with friends. Join us for hobby discussions at themortalrealms.com backslash discord or leave a tip at themortalrealms.com backslash patreon. More content is available at themortalrealms.com and on Twitter at Dogs of Warcry. Cry.